It's the State of Combat Podcast on CBS Sports with the Brian Campbell, and you better believe it is Jack back and returning back with a bang live from Las Vegas. Canelo Alvarez, Danny Jacobs, Fight Week, streaming, of course, exclusively on DAZN this Saturday from T-Mobile Arena. And if you've been following the State of Combat podcast this week, you know your boy BC has been giving you the goods, whether it was the preview pod on Monday with Rafe Bugs getting you fired up for the fight, or part one on Thursday of our interview extravaganza from Radio Row. Well, what do we have today? We have part two. Hey, it might be better than the first. It is fantastic. It's coming at you with a bang. Of course, underwritten, maybe sponsored by that performance, enhancing audio Big time names coming at you to get you fired up for this fight. Who do we got? How about Canelo Alvarez, Danny Jacobs, Brian Kenny, Bernard Hopkins, current fighters like Danny Roman, Devin Haney. You want legends? How about Evander Holyfield, George Foreman, Lennox Lewis? How about Ock and Barack? How about the Zones EVP, Joe Markovsky? All the ridiculousness in boxing you can expect from this podcast. All the breakdown and previews of the big fight. Guys, this is like a cornucopia of amazing sound, historic stories, behind-the-scenes laughter. You're going to want to check this out. You're going to want to you know, pay it forward with a five-star review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Tinder, MySpace. Hey, wherever you can listen to this show, get out there, spread the word, enjoy it. Enjoy this fight this weekend. You know what this weekend is, folks. Not just Canelo Jacobs, right? It's the biggest sports weekend of the calendar year every year. Cinco de Mayo, not just my wedding anniversary. Twelve years, brother. Thank you. Yeah, I got married the same night that uh, Floyd and Oscar did their business. This weekend, NBA playoffs, Stanley Cup playoffs, big-time rivalries in MLB, and also the Kentucky Derby. Stage one of the uh, triple crown, as they call it. You know there's this OG in the horse game, and the racing game, hammering Hank Goldberg. You know what he does? Well, he works for CBS Sports, and he's a legend, but he takes you straight to the source to provide winning horse racing picks. Let me tell you about last year. Hammering Hank, all over Justify early on after talking to a timer in California. Who is Hank going to talk to this year to find out the goods? Who is the hammer going to be all over in this year's Derby? I'll tell you where to find this out. Head on over to sportsline.com and click on Kentucky Derby to see Hank's picks for this year's race. And please use the promo code while you're there, Derby, D-E-R-B-Y, to get your first month of picks for just $1. One buck, bro. Try to make a dollar out of 60 cents, right? A dime and a nickel? I don't know where I'm going with that. 50 cents? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, tell them hammering Hank sent you and get yourself fired up for a funny, engaging, entertaining sound. Look, you're not going to want to miss. I mean, do you want Lennox Lewis, George Foreman, and Evander Holyfield talking about the old days, talking about the prime days of 90s heavyweights? Do you want them talking about which of the big name heavyweights from this generation is going to be the last man standing at the end? I don't know. Maybe you want to hear Brian Kenny. Drop some epic stories about his experience at Corrales Castillo. And I'm going I'm to tell you right now, I'm going to give you a spoiler. I'm going to force Brian Kennedy to finally stand up to the plate, if you will, and defend that Bradley Pacquiao one scorecard in which I think it was him, 
maybe one other person on this earth had Bradley over Pacquiao. He's going to get fired up. He's going to tell you about it. He's going to talk about it. You're not going to want to miss Ock and Barack either, by the way. Hashtag LoadWatch2019. These broskies were not aware of this movement, so we... We got him woke, and you're gonna. <laughs> it's gonna be interesting what happens next. Hey, Bernard Hopkins is gonna school you too. A lot of great stuff coming your way. Please enjoy the audio, enjoy the show, enjoy the fight. First, though, enjoy a word from our friends and sponsors. But on the other end, it's big time sound coming at you from your boy BC Canelo Jacobs only on the zone this Saturday. Enjoy. They said he was done for the day, but the legend Bernard Hopkins has one more interview to give to CBS Sports. It's respects to you, brother, and the time in, and got to pay homage to um, your legacy in this sport because guess <laughs> oh, what? stop it, Bernard. Guess what? Uh, guess what? Uh, I'm kissing your ass, but I'm going to knock you out. Yeah. <laughs> well, I always say it, Bernard, talking to you, and we go way back, you teach me things, all right? You teach my listeners. Like liquid crack. So does liquid crack. I'm trying to teach my co-host who's not here today. He's probably out drinking soda. All right, oh, yeah, he's going to hear that. He's going to hear that for me again. I definitely. Uh, Bernard, what can you teach us about life today? Well, I can teach you about today is um, the fight. What the fight? The undisputed midway championship coming this Saturday, Team Mobile oh, Arena, the zone. Um, you're going to have to look at history that normally repeats himself. Um, but it doesn't happen quickly. And this fight won't be a quick fight, but it will be a fight of tug-of-war early on. And the foundation that Canelo Alvarez have accomplished and with Jacob have accomplished. And being the miracle man, and someone would say, hey, you know, maybe, you know, you adding his personal into his motivation to win. This man was told by quality doctors that he would not walk again, that boxing is something he shouldn't even think about. You, can we, rel- you can't relate we to know, the... We know he's not afraid right. when you go against a disease that's wiping out um, generations of people. Now, I can drop these type of jewels in a way of saying what they have to do with boxing, but then I'll drop the jewels and say everyone that understands adversity from any sort, athlete or not athlete, yes. woman or man, will rise up when they, especially the mentality of Jacob and what he's been saying, which I've been paying attention, and I've befriended uh, through boxing, a young protege of Jacob when we used to promote him under Golden Boy. Mm-hmm. Dangerous fight. This fight worries me more than the Triple G fight. Wow. From the Golden Boy side, this fight worries you. Yeah. More. Because of, uh, well, certainly because of Jacob's skill, but we're his talking ability, about his will. His ability alone with his That's will. True. When a combination comes together, those two energies, and it can be managed right or if it could be managed right by Jacob. Even when he gets knocked down, like with Triple G, he got up. And he fought. So we know where his heart, his professionalism and being who he is up to now, when that comes together, energy, with Canelo's energy, 
yes, we we get rewarded. Fans get rewarded because they get the chance to see a fight that they're going to be talking about. And you can relate to this man's will, Bernard, because the warden at Greaterford State told you. 30 years ago. Told you you'll be back. 30 right? years This isn't ago. beating cancer, but this is beating life right but here. It's life. It's life. You can cut it from any cloth for any experience. When you're told that you are done, no matter how you are done, that's what's been placed on your ending of whatever you're trying to accomplish. This is what makes me worried. Not afraid, not scared, but worried what can happen based on that energy from a guy that I know that can fight, has experience, been in there with one of the, of this era, dangerous punchers, that is Triple G, and didn't embarrass himself and regroup and came back. And he might have won that fight, Bernard. I know what the judges said, but he might have won that fight. We can be I agree. He's being counted out. He's being overlooked. And let's not forget, I don't want nobody to think that I promote Canelo. And I'm right. talking like, yo, this why I'm worried about but this But game fight. respects game. And you know the most dangerous opponent is a guy with nothing to lose. I'd rather fight a guy with everything to lose than nothing to lose. All right, Bernard, we could go down the wisdom road and you're educating me. But we also have fun on this show. We drop sound drops left and right. You've made it on our sound drop board many times. And our favorite Bernard drop in history that gets played a lot on this board. I was in your ass and you was ready to quit. And you was blowing and puffing and went to your corner like a rag doll. Done. Defeated. And knew that you lost that fight. That's how gangster I am. Yes. Bernard Popkins and quote Jean Pascal. Great moment. The face off HBO. Yeah, Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Fight. The fight mentally was... Uh, uh, one and physically, I made it come to fruition. Um, you broke him. a lot of you fights. A lot of fights are, are, are one um, uh, mentally. Uh, mentally, you must understand through time, and I've learned this. If you can convince a person who's better than you, and show him something in the time of that match happening. The victory mentally is done. The physical backs it up. And that's why I always man, I always kept that mentality. Like, it wasn't, I got you mentally, but didn't physically get ready and prepare myself. Right. You know, it might be resistance in that getting you, but I'm going to get you. And the thing, I learned that mental warfare by um, the streets of Philadelphia. Um, my travels through some of the roughest penitentiaries and the PA penal code. Uh, I learned how to disarm a guy i never had a gun but i was the gun and i've learned how to transform that mentality in a sport that was needed for that sport that i represented for 30 years as a professional so my mind transformed from being the street and now they'll call it bully or thug or this or that and take that and add it into my civilian life once I return back into society and say, hey, look, I got back in a boxing in prison. 
I didn't start boxing in prison. I just got back to it because I wanted to get off the block. And getting off that block got me here at this interview. Getting off that block got everything in the middle um, of my legacy um, was getting off the block. Uh, it wasn't my intention to go to the gym. My intention was intention was to go off my block like right. normal and go to another block and hang out with some buddies and then before count go back on my block so I won't get written up for being on another block. But I couldn't escape the gym based on being directed to go there and watch by the other guards in the middle of the center of the center. I wound up being in a facility where it was the boxing club called Greater Ford State Penitentiary. Wow. So I'm glad that I got off the block. I'm glad that the block that I've got off uh, made me realize that this is what I want to do again. And never look back. I'm so glad you did that, Bernard. Because you're not the executioner, you're not the alien. Okay, those are stage names. You're like the professor, all right? Yeah. You come in here, you look into my soul, you drop bombs, well, all right? And May 9th, you can go on social media, you can go templeuniversity.com. May 9th, since you said doctor, I will be getting my degree, honorary degree. Wow. From University of Temple. Love it. And the trustees come May 9th. I will be Dr. Hopkins Congratulations. Um, that morning where I will graduate the 2019 Temple University graduates. And also, I'll have my cap and gown, which is my first time ever in 43. 40, <laughs> uh, uh, We're not counting anymore. Come on. Put it, <laughs> okay, got a little stutter there. But yeah. uh, so, uh, 43-ish. Yeah. Um, yeah. Dr. Degree. The first time I ever will have a cap and gown on will be May 9th. That is Temple beautiful. University. That is beautiful, and Bernard Dr. Hopkins. Hopkins. And I will be embedded in the history of Temple University as the eighth athlete ever to receive, wow. uh, especially first fighter, boxer, uh, in the city of Philadelphia, Temple University. So I, I am glad um, to catch up late in the game and never give up. And I wanted to share that with you because you said, doctor, I would have left the table and not tell you this. Thank you for sharing. But it was meant for you to say. And no, Congratulations, Bernard. Thank you. I mean that. Canelo Jacobs this Saturday. I know they got to pull you away. You're a busy man. I appreciate your time. I thank you for it. Your brother Malik, I follow him on Instagram. The guy's all over the world. He's all right? all over the world. I don't know what's going on. I don't ask any yeah. questions, though, but he looks yeah. happy. Very happy yeah. man. All right. He's very happy. And, you know what? and I'm happy for him. Love him. All right. Thank you, thank you so Respect. much, Bernard. Enjoy the fight. Always a thrill when you can sit down with a professional broadcaster and Brian Kenny of DAZN and many other places. Former ESPN colleagues, us. I once That's stopped right. you in the gym and uh, and told you I actually knew you from way back. Weird story. You're the pride of the Hudson Valley. We know that, right? Okay, you're going way back. I'm going right. way back. I had this roommate. He was a class of '96 Marist College graduate. Okay. He popped for that Cinderella run they made that year where they almost made the tournament. Okay. They almost won the, what's that week conference they used to play in? The Northeast Conference. Northeast Conference. <laughs> Kareem the Thrill Hill. I don't yes. know if you remember. That's right. Well, this guy 
had all these VHS tapes of the local news broadcast, and you always try to relive the memories, put them on, <laughs> and guess who's on there? Brian Kenny yeah. telling you all about wow. it. Wow. Yeah. That, well, that's amazing. So yeah, I was in the Hudson Valley a long time. Yeah, that, that was that was a lot of fun. So you go way back. How did, was I hitting the bag in the gym? Was I all right? You look like you were in shape. You look like you I, Back right. then I was. Yeah. You know, when, when Floyd Mayweather used to say, uh, don't talk unless you've been there, you've been there a little I, bit. Yeah, yeah, I was there a little bit. I was actually, when I was up earlier days in the Valley, uh, not in the nineties, but in the eighties, I, I went, I was in Catskill and I, I boxed at Custom Auto's gym. No way. That's where I was with, with Mike. Yeah. So my, I was there with, when Mike was 18, 19, 20 years old, Kevin Rooney, the whole thing. So that this was my indoctrination. Insight. Yeah. So I, I boxed there. Uh, also like trained just for the hell of it with, in Floyd Patterson's gym because he had Tracy at the time. Tracy was winning world titles, uh, you know, in those days. And Floyd's the best. I mean, these, these people are the, you know, salt of the earth, including Floyd Patterson, one, you know, heavyweight champion, the whole thing, gold medalist and, uh, so there's a little like a boxing hotbed in that area. So at that you time. cross paths with an early, young, but still intense Teddy Atlas, correct? Teddy had had just left. Now Teddy and I have become friends since, and I I would see him occasionally in Catskill. But uh, Teddy had, had was out by the time I got in in '86. Just missed each other. Wow. But then I I auditioned him for Friday Night Fights. Other little known facts. Uh, they said, Hey, we're going to do this new show. Uh, we know you know boxing a little bit, because I was pretty new to ESPN 1997, just gotten there. But they said, you know boxing a little bit. I said, yeah, no, I've, I've already called fights. I'd already called, like, Tracy Patterson, Richard Duran, and Reno, and, uh, like, some Junior Jones fights. Wow, like which you know, network? Uh, it was, like, it was done for, like, uh, uh, an entity that would then run on MSG. It. So it was, like, MSG. So I wasn't working for MSG, but I would get, like, <laughs> 400 bucks to call it, and then it would get on MSG. It was, it was a different world. Um but my, my, they, I came in first two auditions, Teddy Atlas and Max Kellerman back in uh, 97. Hey, Max in a leather jacket back in the day. People, yes, you people remember. That don't know. <laughs> this was a cool dude. This was yeah. a, this was a, uh. But he was young and up and coming. That's true. All exactly. right. What was Brian Kenny the fighter like back in these, uh, Catskill days? Uh, a slick Southpaw? Uh, no, I was conventional and slow. Okay. Uh, but okay. determined. determined. 147. Right. Yeah. Where did you build the Chutzpah? The fearlessness that, that has become your calling card as a broadcaster. Of course, the legendary great interviews with Floyd mm-hmm. Mayweather during that run on ESPN News and Sports Center. Where do you think that comes from? That edge? You, you killed the damn win in baseball. Where does that yes. come from? <laughs> probably, and I probably, I tried to explain it a little bit in a book. I wrote a book two, three years ago ahead of the curve on baseball and challenging orthodox thinking. I think growing up, I grew up in Levittown. Uh, my father was born on a farm in Western Ireland. So he comes over as Irish cop. New York City detective, highly decorated, all of that. So I you can't over, cry in that where, house. Right. No, you've got, you know, got to be tough, but, you know, but also be tough and shut up and do what you're told. So I, growing up in Levittown, the original suburb where all the houses are specifically built the same way. Long Island. I, on Long Island. Um, growing up in this haven of conformity, I found it natural to rebel. Um, now, bring that forward to where I'm doing boxing. I'm, I, I'm not looking for trouble. However... Each week on Friday Night Fights, we'd have normally a different fighter, whether it was Bob Foster or Hurricane Carter or Michael Spinks or Floyd Mayweather or Roy Jones, Antonio Tarver. They would be my guests. So week after week after week, Vernon Forrest, right? Oscar, everybody on the way up or in the Hall of Fame, wherever. So each week. I have to hear, you know, a lot of times one fighter said, this guy's afraid of me. This guy won't fight me. And I'm like, all right, all right, hold on. 
you know, because I'm going to see this guy in two months, and he's going to say the same thing about you, and I'm going to defend him. So if you're talking down on Vernon Forrest, you're talking down on Ike Corte, I now need to speak in in their on their behalf because I'm going to see them too. So that's where the thing ended up with Floyd, where it's like, you know, no, hold on, Floyd. Zeb Judah just lost to Carlos Baldemir yes. for the welterweight title. So you can't pitch your pay-per-view against Zeb Judah for the welterweight title because Baldemir couldn't afford the sanctioning fee and you bought were one belt. You speaking for every fan. Yes, I was trying – fans who were paying attention. And as you know, I think it's gotten better. But mainstream media, like – and it, I'm, I'm there at ESPN. It's not anybody's fault, but they're, they're paying very little attention to boxing. Mm-hmm. And so I was the guy saying, hold on, like, don't pass that nonsense through me. Like, don't do it. I understand. And I'm talking for simple things like that. So whether it was even, you know, uh, it was, it was Zab Judah himself. When Zab had a belt at 140, I called him, you know, junior welterweight titleist. We went to commercial. We come back and Zab looks at me and he says, hey, Brian, you're treating me like, you know, like I found that thing in the garbage can. You know, like and I said, I said, oh, Zab, I said, Costia Zoo is the junior welterweight champion of the world. I said, you beat Costia Zoo. I'll call you the junior welterweight champion. And all these guys running around with belts, I will not listen to them. You know, no matter who it is. You kind of started to, that. I have to show respect. I want to, just like with this fight. Come on. Canelo's the middleweight champ. I know, oh, it's a unification. No, it isn't. He's got the belts. There's so many belts. There's Ryan, more belts than ever. this is for the Mayan championship. Right? Right? Respect that belt. <laughs> right. Respect the WBC I just, Mayan I title. Just, I appreciate the guys who beat the man who beat the man. Canelo is the lineal champ going back to Bernard Hopkins, Kelly Pavlik, Miguel Cotto, uh, Jermaine Taylor, the whole thing. He's the champ. And I want to respect guys who actually put it on the line. And won the championship of the world because it is impossible to hold on to all those belts. Impossible. All right. When you see Floyd nowadays, and you had, I think it was two, two to three legendary spats. The, the best one was really the. I know you, the, the second one gets the most credit, the Sports Center one, but mm-hmm. that ESPN News one where you called him out for the ballot. Wow, you're paying uh, attention. You know I, that I was, one too. I was that was the there first the one. That was. that was the first one, and that was because they put out a press release, and I'm looking at it, and I, like even like conversations with Arturo Gatti. Or anyone, when they were fighting for, like, even now you know, like, Canelo isn't the super middleweight champion of the world, right? He beat Rocky Field. He's got a bastardized secondary. He got a belt, and look, I get it. It's good for marketing. It gives you a little foothold in the division. But you're not, you know, Canelo is the middleweight champion of the world. Beating Rocky Fielding did, anyway. So I remember, like, on Friday Night Fights, week after week, I would say to, whether it was Gaddy, Zab Judah, whoever it was, like, come on, man. And even like when it was, if it was Shane Mosley or Vernon Forrest, it was like, hey, I thought Shane was the real champ. Vernon, come on, you got, you got, you got a belt. You're not the real champ. Well, then Vernon won. It's like, now you're the champ and no one can tell me otherwise. So that's where that started. Where, come on, you're insulting my intelligence. That's where that started. And then the next one was where, you know, Floyd has his Irish up a little bit. Oh, yeah. He was ready <laughs> and to right, compete right away. So when you see Floyd today, do you, is it the weird respect between the two of you? Like two fighters who have, like, Gotti and Ward <laughs> hugging it out afterwards? No, we, we, no, there's now, having gone through all that and ups and downs, a lot of respect. I think, you know, he's got a real sweet side to him. When we see each other, we give each other a big hug, we smile. It's great. He said even like, um, it was after the Juan Manuel Marquez fight where we did have some dust-ups that, you know, wasn't good. Don't he forget, don't, he bought his way extra pounds on the scale. Yes, he did some right. shady stuff there. Yeah, but you know, I care about how you box and are you telling the truth and, and where are you going with all this and, and, and how well you fight. And I remember seeing him after that and he gave me a big hug. He goes, hey, respect and love to your family. You know, it's like, I mean nothing by all. I said, I understand completely. So I try to be fair at all times. And no, those were, those dust-ups were good, clean fun for me. He enjoys the sparring, clearly, and so do I. So I, I thought those were fun. I'm glad people still remember them. Did they? Did that? Those make you in a way? Do those? I mean, you you 
you, in terms of the public consciousness, you made a leap. You're already Sports Center guy. You're already on the level, but yeah. I think it kind of made you, right? It resonates. I mean, it's weird now, like on MLB Network, I'm kind of known for all those sabermetric principles and all of those things because that's it's my real love and passion. And then there's someone who says, oh, I love the Floyd Mayweather stuff. And it's almost like to like shift my head and go, whoop, okay, <laughs> different world. Okay, yes. So, yeah, I think that helped, you know, uh, bring about a different level of, uh, of notoriety. There you go. There you go. All right, let's talk about this fight. Canelo Jacobs, how much pressure is on Canelo? Because he, he's got money to fight anybody he wants. Could've, you could fight David Lemieux. You could fight anybody you wanted. Mm-hmm. Okay, I know there's probably network pressure. Like, we've got to go big for our first big one. we got to kill pay-per-view. We're not killing the win. We're killing the pay-per-view here. <laughs> but, um... Kind of needs to win, right? Kind of needs to keep going. I I think there's always enormous pressure uh, on the champ, and that's what makes it so difficult. You know, like it calls to mind. Like what I think one of the most difficult things to do is to not float up and down from your divisions, and that is why, like, there's still I think one of the most admired fighters of our time, of our generation, is marvelous Marvin Hagler, because he won the middleweight title and he just defended it, right? (laughs) Just kept defending it. And, you know, just kept, you know, cleared out the division once, twice, three times. And that's the toughest thing to do. I think you can float. Look, all respect to Floyd, you can float up and down, not cherry pick, but you can pick your spots. If you're the champ in that division, eventually you're going to have to clear it out. Mm -hmm. People are going to keep coming to you. And it's difficult to do that. So I think there's always pressure. But I think he's the type of guy that has always had it and embraced it. He didn't have to fight Floyd when he did. He was a little pre-prime then. I think we all knew that. But he didn't he have won- to fight Trotter or Lara. Yeah, he, they didn't want he, him to do he that. Went, yeah. He went against guys. Right. Those guys were high risk, low reward. Mm-hmm. You know, what are you going to get? You know, oh, you lose a close decision to Erislandi Lara. No one cares. Now people know. But at the time, it was like, great. That's a tough out. I think he's built for it. I think he eats it up. And I think he's remained remarkably consistent. And like Hagler, I think he eventually becomes one of the more admired fighters. Right. Um, he's also the richest. That's good. Uh, but admired is nice as well. Uh, is it safe to say this is the Canelo era? We're, we're fresh off the Floyd slash Manny welterweight run. They kept the sport afloat while the heavyweights died. Is this the Canelo era or is it too early? No, I think you're right. I think now it's getting it's into his prime. And depending on what happens, then we'll link back to the Golovkin fights because there's already been two of them. He fought Floyd when Floyd was the money king. So, yeah, I think so. I don't think Lomachenko has, you know, as much as he's a, the, the darling of the aficionados, and he should be, and as much as, look, Anthony Joshua, like, I don't know, what more do you want out of a heavyweight? Uh, with all that, yeah, he, I think you could make him number one pound for pound. The combination of the best boxer and the most credentialed, you know, the best resume out there. So it's, it's, it's fair to say, but again, it was never really the Sugar Ray Leonard era too. It was the golden era of everybody fighting each other. So, uh, maybe by the time they fight again with Golovkin and, you know, we'll, we'll kind of bridge all these guys together. All right. Heavyweights, let's talk here. You mentioned Anthony Joshua. Probably not going to see him face Wilder. Not going to see him face Fury anytime soon. But if he gets by Andy Ruiz Jr. on June 1st, I'm sure you'll be part of the part of the MSG mayhem there. Yep. Are we building toward an Alexander Usyk fight? I mean, you talk about sabermetric. He's the sabermetrics uh, boxer. He's the 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 crafty southpaw who does things that heavyweights can't do. Do you think he's big enough? So Eddie Hearn does not think he's big enough. But at six foot three, he doesn't doesn't have knockout power. Doesn't knockout power at cruiserweight, even though he finished Bellew beautifully. But you don't see that kind of crafted mm. heavy. I know he's fighting a real man mm. if he ends up fighting AJ. And AJ, see, give him credit. He yeah, talks about it. He doesn't yeah, run from it. He talks about yeah. it. He wants yeah. to be about it. What is, uh, you know the history of this, right? 
what is the history of it when cruiserweights go up? Now, occasionally you have an Evander Holyfield that made it work. Um, David Hay had a moment yeah. in the sun. All right, all right, all right. I mean, I'm going to tell you, go back to Jersey Joe Walcott and Ezard Charles. I mean, just through the whole history of it. With the exception, there, there are exceptions. Floyd Patterson should have been a light heavyweight. He wasn't, but he wasn't fighting two hundred and sixty pound heavyweights. You know, it's, it's, a, point. it's a very different. Uh, Evander fought a, a huge and fluid Riddick Bow, um, but you know, again, uh, that's why he's a Vander Holyfield. Otherwise, to me, as much I think Usyk is excellent, but all those things. Are going to be there. He's going to test Joshua, and yet we'll say, "Oh, Joshua's just a little too big." Because Joshua's also big and fluid and fast, and he's smart. It's not. So it, you're it's saying not, this is like, "Hey, Amir Khan can win five rounds against Canelo," but inevitably he's getting knocked out. Is this what you're saying, Brian Kenny? I think Usyk is. I think Usyk's at a different level than Amir Khan mentally uh, as a fighter. No disrespect to Khan. <laughs> I know as I say that um, because I think he goes. He'll go in to win and go in to to do it. But the history of it says you go up against a fluid big man, just like most every heavyweight going, Eddie Chambers going up against Klitschko, like every big fluid, uh, every like 210 pound fluid boxer. Yeah, hey, this guy can really handle himself. Suddenly you go up against, you know, Vladimir Klitschko or you go up against, you know, his immense size. And you're like, how come he can't get off? Oh, he can't seem to get his jab off. And after the fight, you know, I really just couldn't get my jab off and I had trouble. Yeah, because he's the guy six foot seven and, well, and his fluid and can jab. Klitschko was, yeah, yeah, but Pave- I'll tell you what, Pavekin was able to touch him. Yeah. But Pavekin was, has been campaigning as a heavyweight for a long time and he brought the funk. Um, and he got screwed by the by the referee, let's be honest, who allowed Vlad to just lay all over Pavekin the whole thing. Oh, that, yeah. Lean uh, yeah. and lay. I mean, come yeah. on. Uh, there's a lot of ugliness there. I just think, you know, I'm very impressed. Look, I, I think Deontay Wilder, I was, when I was calling fights for, you know, for, for Fox and we we're doing PBC and, and uh, we had Wilder, I was like, look, I know everyone is, is Joshua crazed right now. However, I'm not ruling out Deontay Wilder. Don't tell me you know for a fact Joshua beats Wilder. And I, I still don't know that, but I put Joshua up ahead. He's fluid. He uses both hands. Pavetkin really tested him, hurt it, hurt him, and he was able to figure things out and stop him. That's extremely impressive. And that's why, because he's so good and so big and so fluid, I just, you know, Usyk beating him, I don't see it. What, what, what's your percentage that he beats him? I, I couldn't make him the favorite because... He, you know, the people that miss things on Joshua, because there are critics that say, well, look, you know, like, he gets tired. He can't really box. I think he's done more in those boor- quote unquote boring fights that Joseph Parker win. He's done more to show his mental toughness and his adaptability. Right. Than, well than people realize. Well he gets to talk him too when he kind of sneaky got hurt early against mm-hmm. it. Inevitably, is he going to stop him? Probably. Or yeah. maybe, or, or, or win with because of a knockdown. But I just think Usyk has, I mean, he's a heavyweight Lomachenko in some ways. I think he has, Things that he can do that no heavyweight could think of doing. Wow, I don't know if I'd go that special far. footwork. The way he sets punches up. Wow, I mean, you did you see him. what he did? He can spell you. Come on, yeah. this is the new. This yeah. is the. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm listening. I, I'm here. Look, the way things are panning out, like you know what's happening with Fury. Like, how many times can he get in shape and, be, and, and keep it straight? How many I don't, times I don't can know. he be that mentally tough? Yeah, by the way, he was fantastic in that fight. Fantastic. Look, he got himself straightened out. Kudos to him. I mean, his whole life straightened out. Had a good camp, came in in shape, was like the toughest guy. Uh, now he's going to fight the Schwartz. Well, come yeah, on. Right, so like how, 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 uh, how many times can he do that? Yeah. Now, if he can keep doing that, Great. He could be an all-time great. Uh, but I don't know. His track record doesn't quite say that. And for Deontay, like, he's getting older. 
He's getting older, and like he could lose one of these fights. Look, I, I've called his fight, um, you know, a, a couple fights where he doesn't look good. It was Gerald Washington? Like it's like early rounds. And I'm he like, lost hey, all you know, those rounds. He's yeah. like, you know, he's, he's losing this fight. He could lose, so he could lose. I, I hope the economics dictate that these guys get together, isn't it? I mean, think about that. Think of how not only that, how charismatic are all three of these guys? Like they're all fascinating. They're all unbeaten. They can all talk. They all Fury is hilarious. They have great looks. They, they got Wild, everything. Wilder is a good dude, and he's funny, and he's he's extroverted. And Anthony Joshua is a star. I mean, he's charismatic. We he called like three rounds with us ringside for I forget more five. Maybe it was just before Canelo and Fielding. He's fantastic. He's smart. He's a student of the game. He's a star. So imagine we have all the, like, nobody's dull, nobody's boring, everybody's huge, everybody is six, seven, and up, right? I mean, they're just monstrous. And if they don't fight, like, oh, what a shame. What a, what a shame. What a kick to the stick, right? Yeah. Kenny. You know, I mean, come on. All right, Brian Kenny, you've called a million fights for a million networks. You've done a lot of international feeds. What's the best fight you ever called? And I don't mean necessarily what's the best action fight. I mean, here's the thing. When I was ringside for Wilder Fury. Mm-hmm. When that thing was over, when that man got up off the canvas <laughs> and the, the drama, yeah. I stood up and my pants were so tight and sweaty and dripping. And, like, <laughs> and I was like, how did this happen? Did I soil myself during the fight? And you just go, you know what? That was something. That was theater. That was mm. like I was the most moved ever watching that event. Do you have a similar story oh. calling a fight where you're um, like, man, I'm humbled to be here? Maybe. Uh, all right. I came out here, I think, 2005. And uh, I'd been, I had been—I won the Sam Taub Award. Boxing Writers' Dinner was just before the fight. So I came out and uh, brought my wife out. My wife's here with me as well now. And, but at the time, we have five kids, and they were all young. And my wife, I just, she never traveled. She couldn't get out of the house with, the, with all the kids. So I was winning the award. I said, you really should come out with me now. And, and she was actually, Max Kellerman convinced her. said, you need to come out. Come out to this one. Brian's getting the award at the Boxing Writers Dinner. It's prestigious. It's a really nice event. Anyway, my wife comes out, and she never asked me for anything and said, can we go see a show? And the guys here were telling me, MGM, hey, everyone, you know how they say, hey, you ever need anything? You ever need anything? <laughs> so I finally said, yeah, I could use, could I get tickets to Celine Dion? Oh, wow. You really went for it there, Brian so, Kenny. Yeah. So we got tickets. MGM got me these tickets for Celine Dion. It was the same night as um, as Chico Corrales. Oh, no. Yes. May 7th, 2005? Yes. Part one, Corrales Castillo? Yes. Corrales Castillo What happened won. next? So um, the next day, I'm explaining to Max, Max, you know what? I, I bring Nicole out here, you know, like so rarely. Oh here. my I god, got you didn't see I, it, did I got, you? You I didn't got... see the thing, you didn't see it, Brian. Hold on, Kenny. hold on, hold on. I tell, I tell, I said, Max, I'm, I'm gonna go, you know, to Celine Dion, cause the fight, you know, the, the, the concert oh, starts god. at this time. I can't go to the fight too. Max sits me down and goes to, and he never does it, sits down with my wife and says, Nicole, look, th- this is, this is the lightweight championship. It's gonna be a, a great fight. He, Brian needs to go to this fight. He needs to, he has what, to what man, go Max to Kelly, this fight. And I'm there going, look, no, Max, it's fine. I'm going, I'm really, listen, I, normally I'd argue this, but no, this time I'm going with my wife to Celine Dion. You know, I'm doing, I'm doing the right thing here as a mother of my five children. I'm going to the concert. Finally, he prevails and it, we figure out, hey, you know what? I could go to the fight and get, if I get right out of there, like oh, just how yes. I could still this get story. to I'm Celine Dion. This is great. So I say, all right, let's stick around. Now that night went into the arena. It was dead. Yes. I mean, it was 
dead. Were you there? No, but there's right. like 5,000 people. There yeah. was nobody, and, and it was quiet. It was like, Max, I'm going to get out of here. He goes, all right, just see how the fight starts. It should be pretty good. Now, the fight starts, and it's the greatest world championship fight in the history of boxing. Yes. I argued that I think with it was, Burt Randolph. Sugar. I think it was round two where Al Bernstein goes, this, this, this some, like, the equivalent of, you know, we're seeing an all-time great. Right. It, it was like the second round. Savage. You know? I argued that with Burt Randolph. Sugar's like, oh. Burt, give me a better championship fight. You can't do it. And it's for a world title, so it's not just like two guys in a four-rounder that tried to kill each other. Like, this is different level. So we're watching this whole fight. It's insane, right? It's insane. So 10th round, it's like, it's crazy. Is back your wife with you? No, she's at Celine Dion. Oh, so, okay. she, so I'm there watching this fight going, oh my God. Oh, we're like screaming. We're looking up where our eyes are like wide. like you getting up. I wasn't sweaty, but I was like, my eyes were wide. I'm going, oh my God. They, you know, at the end of the fight, you did a I, cigarette at the end. And, of the and fight. I, I turned around and looked at Max and I said, see you later. I walked right out <laughs> because everybody was still stunned. I got right out. I walked out. There's nobody in the casino. There's nobody anywhere. I hopped right into a cab and went right to Celine Dion. I got there on time. Sat wow. in the, they brought me down, sat next to my wife, and within like, it had to be 11 minutes, I'm sitting there listening to Celine Dion there, sing, and wow. all I can think of is the fight. I'm going, they have no idea what I just saw. <laughs> they have no idea. And she's going, let me sing a song for you. And I'm going, no, no. what is happening? <laughs> but I made both. Wow. There you go. Shake you that saved. Th- I, I, I made, was going to give you a high five. You I saved made, your I marriage. Yes. You saw the greatest fight in modern history. Wow. You can have it all. I don't know how to follow that, but I have one more question on the way out. Because all the listeners, all these curmudgeons, these critics, they're going to say, you talked to Brian Kenny, you didn't bring it up. Brian Kenny, sometimes we take L's in life. We stand on planks. We're willing to go. And I mean, you, you killed the win. Where's sometimes he going? Going we're willing What's to take going? a stand. Yeah. And years later, we go, you know what? I was wrong. You know, when I told off my sister that time, I was wrong. I'm sorry. We're getting a lot of Brian Kenny, yeah. you scored Bradley Pacquiao won for Bradley. Can, yep. you, can you walk it back now? We're many years from now. Right. We're, we're removed from it let, now. Let me admit. Seven years later. Let me admit. It's possible that Pacquiao won that fight. Okay. 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 You heard it here. Which I said that night. No, no. I'm not backing off anything. Oh, wow. Yeah. Look at this. I'm a little disappointed Levittown in coming you. out of here. I'm a, little oh, disappo- I'm a little disappointed. He went to my background immediately. That's denigrating right there. That's all right. I, I'm a little disappointed in you. Because I, I'm wearing a Turkish linen no, suit no, shirt no, that I know no, you've been eyeing. No, I like that. Okay, that is nice. I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed that you followed the herd so blindly, that you're wow. so easily brainwashed because, I don't know, Dan Rayfield or Jim Lampley told you a certain thing. All I know is I'm calling the fight with headsets on. I'm watching the whole thing, and I'm watching Bradley. I'm on the ring apron. Tim Bradley. Did you see Tim Bradley's face after that fight? I did. How did it, it look? It's handsome. It's nothing. Who'd you call that with, by the way? <laughs> Mario Lopez. AC Slater. Good Mario right, Lopez. Right. We're sitting right next to the HBO guy. HBO guy's over here. We're sitting over there. We're calling it for top rank. They said, you want to come out and call this fight? I'm like, yeah, sure. Yeah, right, yeah. I, was, I guess I wasn't working for anybody else at the, at the time. I said, sure. Call it with Mario Lopez. And we're calling the fight. And I even said, like, these tapes exist somewhere. I said, going into the 12th round, this fight could be decided right here and now. So I'm seeing a different fight. Now, I went back and scored that fight, including the, the round that was called the smoking gun. Right? There was a smoking gun round. But unfortunately, if you look back, Tom Hauser wrote a definitive piece on it because only a few people in the arena had Bradley given the chance of winning. You and Tom Hauser, I think, and, ha- and I think maybe Bob Aram were, or no, no, who was it? No, no. No, wait, maybe Monica Bradley. I think those were the only three people that believed in this. <laughs> and, um, there was one round where CompuBox had it wide for Pacquiao. And so I remember Tom Hauser said, hey, I'm writing a piece on it. I want some quotes from you. And I said, all I know is I know what I saw. But, of course, I'll go back and rescore it because maybe I'm wrong. No, no. Maybe I'm wrong. I get it. Maybe. I watched it back. I rescored it. And could I have it 8-4 Pacquiao? Yes, I could. That's what we all had. Could I have it? But could I have it 7-5 Bradley? 
yes, I also could. And if you score fights, you know there are swing rounds, there are close rounds, and you could have it 7-5. And that one round, right, the smoking gun, I challenge you to go back and count punches, do the, do it the first way and say, I'm going to count Pacquiao punches, go dip, 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 just like they do for CompuBox, and then rack it back, and then watch it again and go for Bradley, bip, 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 bip on your little pad. And take, take, take pair, right? Take count. Can so you hear the so, venom in this so, man's yes, voice? Yeah, because you get my Irish up. <laughs> so, so, cause you're, now, now, now you're impugning my integrity. Yes, yes, so I am. fine, let's do this. <laughs> Go back, score that round in slow motion. Take your time. You don't have to do it live. Okay. Take okay. your time. Do it three or four Should times. I watch it in black and white or in color? Does I that do change color. the score? Also, you, know? you might want to turn down the volume yes. if you're watching well, a certain other Jim broadcast has, uh, because you're going to be influenced. Watch the scoring punches. Count them, and it will be oh exact God. opposite. He's looking into my soul. The Can you see this right <laughs> opposite of what CompuBox is telling you. Because CompuBox, now you know, I'm the, I'm the statistics guy yes. in baseball, right? But statistics in boxing, there's a faulty data collection. When you see two world-class guys, right? That was my Roy Jones. And they, that. and they exchange. Good luck telling me how many punches were landed. Go ahead, like, watch, and I did, I've done this a few times. Watch like, um, watch Oscar De La Hoya, Sugar Shane Mosley won. And you tell me, do a CompuBox, bip, 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 try impossible. to count. Try, you can't. Humanly impossible. Sorry, Bob Kenobi, humanly right, right. impossible. World-class right? hand speed. Not only can you not do it, the fighters themselves don't know what the hell happened. And they're back out, and they disengage. It's like, what the hell happened? A punch landed. Yeah, but a hard hook, but I didn't see the right hand, but he touched him. You don't know. But when you take your time and you score the smoking gun round that shows the world that Pacquiao won and there was corrupt <laughs> judging, actually, the other way around. Tim Bradley outlanded Pacquiao, I don't know, like 19 to 10 in that round and going back. So the smoking gun round is also BS. Wow, so I go back and go back right and rescore because I still hear from Mama Luke's all over the place. Ooh, you scored that Eric fight. Raskin told me to ask you Please. this. All right, come on. Yeah, oh, Please. A, go back and rescore it. Yeah, Eric. Uh, oh, no, I was kidding. Now. Yeah, I asked myself. <laughs> um, wow, okay. So just real quick, in, in real theory here, do you think Pacquiao just didn't fight the full three minutes? Because he didn't. He didn't fight the full three minutes no, of every I, round. I, 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 all I know is how many scoring blows. Scoring blows. And I do kind of a fulcrum system. Now, I'm calling the fight. I didn't I didn't say I had some ironclad system I know for a fact. You said maybe. I'm saying when you score fights, and I'm trying to be very careful when I'm calling these fights, too. I've I've had these conversations with Chris Mannix because we're kind of a new broadcast team. And I said, hey, Chris, when I go to you and say, how do you have it scored? The next question is, how many could a judge reasonably swing either way? And sometimes, like... Delahoya Mosley, I forget now, one or two. You might have eight of 12 rounds that you could say, I could, eight of 12 could go to either okay. guy. Because in, for, you watch a ton of boxing, how many rounds are actually, there's no winner. No, Plenty. It's, it's, there's it's no like, definitive. It's, it's, it's like watching art and trying to, right. do, yeah, yeah. You don't know, sometimes it's convincing. So when I'm scoring a fight, if I'm like, you know, not when I'm calling a fight, I know, and I always say, hey, when I'm calling a fight, I'm not scoring the fight. Because I can't do a good job. But I can give you, I will ask my broadcast partners, hey, how, how do you have it scored? And then, Hey, any close rounds? Was that convincing? That looked convi- Hey, and I would say, it looked to me that Tevin Farmer won that round convincingly. Did we- yes. Okay, good. That's in the books. And if we look back and say the judge had it the other way, we'll say, wait a second, that's a bad score. But if you say that could go either way, don't, don't be screaming about some alleged controversy. And, oh, the worst are corrupted, wow. blah, blah, blah. put this interview in a time capsule. This was straight fire, straight thunder <laughs> for Brian Kenny. You probably have a life to go to. We got one thing. I know your, your colleague, Todd Grisham, my good friend. There's a rule you'll learn. Your friends with You're damn right. Oh, I am. See if I had but that. here's this thing, though, you didn't Brian. Can you get ready for you, this? You lured me There's over here. There's a lesson you you'll learn. Yeah. You can be friends with Brian, with Todd Grisham, but <laughs> don't hang out with him in Vegas. Or some people say don't hang out with him because you'll end up shirtless, pregnant, and broke. All right. 
I learned, I didn't hang out with him in Mulvane, Kansas. There you go. So I think there that's, you go. that's, that's Todd, Kenny, Todd's a good dude. He's by a the great way. dude. And I don't know what he's taking at age 43, but that guy is, he's ripped. It's you, working. You gotta be envious at this point. <laughs> All right, Brian Kenny, my pleasure, sir. Thank All you right. so much. I Thanks for defending apology. the yeah. win. I, I was hoping you were going to give me a, a conspiracy theory that Aram didn't want to make me with a Pacquiao. He didn't want to lose Bradley to the PBC. So he, Bob Aram was ticked off. That did not, and look, and you can see the way things happened afterwards. I won't set you off again. We did a half hour. It was great. Brian Kenny, we'll see you soon. Saturday night, Canelo Never, Jacobs in the zone. Good seeing you. Thank again. you. The hits just keep on coming. You want to talk a legend. You want to talk a Hall of Famer. You want to talk somebody that's getting me excited to chat with. It's big George Foreman right here, right now. George, how are you, man? I'm doing really good. I get a chance to get the atmosphere of the future and yes. what's now. And Canelo Alvarez. It's, oh, I love me some Canelo. Jacob's going to be a hell of a fight. George, I'm going to put you over for a second. Though. I'm gonna, I'm, look, you're a Hall of Famer. You're one of my favorite fighters, all that. But you know what you are the best ever to do? The best fighter analyst on a boxing broadcast <laughs> ever. I'm serious. Yeah, well, I, I had thought so it much ended fun. too quick on HBO. You were the best. 13 years we did it. 13 what you, years. What do you think you brought that, that made you so iconic in that role? You know, I had a lot of fun. That's what it is. If you're doing something and you're having a lot of fun... Everybody loves happy, <laughs> and it doesn't matter how good you are. If you're not happy about it, it doesn't go over well. All right, all right. Well, you weren't you weren't afraid to buck the system. You weren't afraid to tell Larry and and, and uh, Jim Lampley. Uh, I don't agree with this. I don't believe in this. I think they're wrong. I think this fighter has a chance. So it was a great run there as well. When you look ahead to this weekend, Canelo Jacobs, George, what do you like in this fight? What do you like about these guys? Uh, I think that uh, no doubt. Canelo is the best fighter around, and he's probably one of the best fighters we've seen in the last maybe 10 years. He's that good, and in the next three years, no, no, nothing and no one can beat him but complacency. If he's still hungry, no one can beat him because he actually gets better. He's a better body he is puncher. Evolving. What he's do you think a, makes him different to the, to the other middleweights today? What, what's, the, what's the X factor? He thinks he's a heavyweight, and yet by nature... He's got the speed of a lightweight. That's what makes him better. He really thinks like a heavyweight. I'm going to hit you with this hook, and when I come back with the one on top, you're going down. He never stops thinking like that. I love it. I love the intensity. What's your take on Danny Jacobs? You know this journey, coming back from cancer, winning a world title. Now he's going after the best, the biggest name in, in the entire world. Does he have the goods? He's got the goods, but to beat Canelo, you got to go get him. And that's a dangerous thing is to try to pursue Canelo. You're just going to get yourself hurt. I give him skill. I, I like what he's done with his life. But to beat Canelo, you, you better have you something like one of those uh, rocks that had come off the moon. Go down to Nassau, <laughs> grind it up, and put it in your milkshake or something. Canelo is that good. He is. He is. All right, George. When you when it happened, it happened. When you knocked out Michael Moore, the, the most iconic moment in heavyweight history, more or less. I mean, seriously, you kneeled. As soon as it ended, the look on your face was like, Oh, my God, it really happened. And you turned around, I assume, to pray. What was going on in your head in that moment? Well, beforehand, you know, I'd gone uh, through boxing. I've been a preacher, minister all this time, even before and after. And I never did play that religious hand, you know, looking up to the sky and all that. I said, I'm not going to do that. I do my preaching in church. But this time, I said, God, now, if I win this fight, I'm actually going to get on my knees and thank <laughs> you right on the spot. And I said, I did it. Let me get down and thank them. And it was like it was just between God and me, not no one else. That's all I was thinking, appreciation. Before that fight, when you were telling everybody, Jim Lampley tells the story great, when you told them, 
more or less, you're probably going to lose every second of that fight until the last second because you had to try, you were going to entrap more. Did, was it easier to get him in the spots you wanted to than you thought? You were sort of pushing him in front of you in the way of the right hand. As I can remember that fight, what I was most worried about, I didn't know it until after we were going out, entering, the, leaving the dressing room, and the referee came and said, the three knockdown rules have been waived. Ooh. I said, what? So that meant if I knocked him down three times, he could still get up and run and win that fight. And I knew it made me sad if I knocked him down, he would have to stay. Otherwise, he'd win a decision by just doing the light heavyweight stuff. And uh, that's all I remember. When I knocked him down, I said, he's not going to get up. And I th- you stunned him right before the finishing one, too. You hit him with a sneaky right hand. Did you know you had him at that moment? Uh, what happened is I started a lead- leaning with my right, coming back with my hook. Did it, And I missed him, of course, but it set him up to stand in one spot. So I threw the light. Took all the power, I mean the left hand, took all the power off of it so I wouldn't knock his head back and threw it once. I said, now I need to lower it a little bit. And I did. He was on the canvas. In the 90s, we thought we were building toward you against Mike Tyson. Uh You're on the same card that one time for HBO. That's true. Uh, How close did it come? What would that fight have looked like, George? Uh, What I remember most about, there was someone in Tyson camp that just didn't want to have anything to do with George Foreman, no matter what if I looked. Not this good. I I put on an act all the way to get a title shot. You have to act when you can fight. Oh, you were a great salesman. Yes. Yeah, when you can fight, you must act like you can't to get top fights. And no acting job would fool the Tyson. Yeah, they just wouldn't fight me. And it would have been a magnificent fight. Magnificent fight. Oh, God. Hulk Hogan always says he could have got the grill, the George Foreman grill thing, but he didn't return a phone call or didn't answer it in time. Is this a true story? I think there are a lot of people who would tell the same story. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, George Foreman grill, I mean, it's not a grill. It wasn't a grill until it became the George Foreman grill. So it was just, it was nothing. So it's not like he got the George Foreman, had a chance to get the George Foreman quote grill. George Foreman is the only one that can do that. Well, you mentioned sort of how you got yourself into title shots during the second half of your career, and it was there was some great marketing there. I want to know how calculated that was to bring out the, the cheeseburger plate and all that. And when you first birthed that idea in your head that I can I can co- not coerce the public, but I can win over the public, and they can almost fight for me to get into these fights along with myself. Beforehand, there was John Condon who worked for Madison Square Garden. He was the public relations expert. Then I met some associations with the Archie Moores, and Dick Sadler also was also uh, like he was mentored by the manager of uh, Jack Dempsey, uh, Doc Kearns. Oh, yes, yes. So I used to watch him, and it would irritate me. But I watched everything he did, having hanging up posters, going to sit at bars, and listening to those guys. I knew what to do. You can't just be a boxer. You got to believe in all of the, uh, the ballyhoo. And I started doing the same thing that they had taught me. So when I became champion, it was like Doc Currents became champion. I have all the stuff he did. George Foreman used Doc Currents, who taught everyone. All right, George. I could ask you about a million fights. You almost, you had Holyfield on the ropes. You had the champ Evander Holyfield on the ropes. I yeah. know you know that. We talked about the Moore fight. But you know what fight does not get enough talked about with you? In your comeback, 1992, Alex Stewart in Las Vegas. 
George, that was a friggin' war. Majority decision. Your face was almost disfigured at the end of that. How did you survive I, that? I went home and my kids were like, Dad, you look like the cowardly lion from The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> and my wife, I said, can I have a kiss? She said, do I look that desperate? <laughs> that was something. But, you know, I kept knocking him down thinking the ref was going to stop it. Four times. And then I eased up on him, and he, and he said, like, hey, I'm taking over now. And it turned out to be a good fight. And you know what? People pay money. They deserve to see a good fight. And it came out to be a good fight. He got up, got brave. And he gave me a time of my life. I got a decision, but whoo. You were in that one. You did indeed. All right, George, you know that we're in a heavyweight renaissance right now. I don't know if these guys really want to fight each other. There's a lot of money. There's businesses, all that. But we got Fury, Wilder, Joshua, all unbeaten, all studs. Who would be the last man standing if we could get these guys in the ring together? You know what? And I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. Tyson Fury just didn't know he'd be able to go 12 rounds. And with the stamina, that was a, his... That was, that's why he held back. Now that he knows what he can do, he's probably the best out there. I agree. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> Don't tell anybody. But he didn't know after he got knocked down, he got up, and he hurt Wilder. And I love Wilder because he's an old throwback to the, yes. I don't care what I hit you and how where it comes from. Yes. That's a great fighter. <laughs> some old school Sonny Liston there, right? Oh, yeah. Old school George Foreman, Sonny Liston. George and Sonny. Yeah. 1970s yeah. George was a yeah. mean dude, all right? Yeah, but and Wilder is that good. I mean, but if Tyson Fury really gets in now, now he's in shape now mentally, he could beat all of these guys. I'm sorry to say it. The guy's that good. Do you have a favorite fighter today who you watch? I don't know if they remind you of yourself or just somebody you really enjoy. Uh, I've like from the first day I saw uh, Canelo Alvarez. Yeah, I've enjoyed his career more than any fighter. I love when great recognizes great. You saw something in him. I saw something. He's trying to get a knockout, and I don't care what happened. You hit me. It doesn't matter. Shoe fly. Don't bother me. <laughs> Shoe fly. Don't bother me. And he kept coming, and I love that. I really love that. We were just talking with Evander. We were talking about, remember when he went to Russia? He was 47. He fought yeah. that big giant. Yeah. He was going to break your record, oldest heavyweight champion, and they screwed him. <laughs> did, you, did, you, did you smile when that happened? I like to keep that record to myself. Oh, no, people. no, Thank no, you. no, no. I never looked at it as a record. I just saw, yeah, I saw, I got a win, paid some bills, <laughs> go back to church, <laughs> preach a sermon. I never looked at things like records and all of that. All right. Someone else can. George, if I was one of your many sons, strapping handsome sons, what would you name me? Um, give me a minute. Oh, George. There it is. There it is. <laughs> Great, George Foreman. The pleasure was all mine. All right. Enjoy Canelo Jacobs this weekend, sir. Great chatting. Up Thank with you. you. God bless. Oh, yeah. Canelo Jacobs fight week. You get privileged to speak with legends. And I love talking to the real deal, Evander Holyfield. Not just because you're my guy. All right. All right, Evander. Okay. But you're such a pure interview. You're such an honest you just put it out there. You're a real man. You're the real deal, okay? The, the nickname worked. How's retirement life? How's it treating you? Because you would have fought to 75 if you could keep throwing the punches. I know it. Well, you know, if, yeah, if I, if I felt that I would win, uh, you know. <laughs> but um, I feel good. Everything's great. How excited are you about a fight like Canelo Jacobs when you consider the athletes involved? You consider the, the, the wars they've been through to get here? You consider Danny Jacobs' amazing story of overcoming so much? Yeah, I'm, I'm, it's, it should be a great fight. Um, and you know, the thing is, is that you know, when you know when Jacob fought the last time, he, he 
start late. And I, Against Golovkin. Yeah, he didn't take enough chances. Yeah. And so, you know, hopefully he he learned from that. And he learned from that that you you got to take chances. You're not going to win. You don't take chances. And that's what you did. And he's coming back from a point. I know his battle with cancer was a while ago. But he's come through so many times where they said you can't do this. That was That's the history of being a Vander Holyfield, is proving people wrong when they said you can't do this. Before the first Mike Tyson fight, they thought you were washed. They thought you were done. They thought it was unsafe physically for you to be in there. You became a stepping stone, Evander. But obviously that's not how it ended. Mentally, what's that journey like on the build to that fight when you didn't have anybody in your corner that believed in you? Well, actually, you know, for the fight himself, all fighters have to think. I'm better than what anybody think. I mean, but that's, that's what you got. You have to have that in there, in there. Because if you don't, at some point in time in the fight, this guy going, you don't know who going to get the first blowout. You, you know, you tried to, but you know, but you got hit first. And what's going to happen? You got to be able to, you got to be able to change that mind and, and, and know who you are. At all time in that fight, I'm telling you, when all the time they ran out, you you kind of still think that you 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 got that second you that mental that mental yeah. warfare. I mean, you you were such a model of that. So when you enter into that first Mike Tyson, fight, and it's really it's my favorite fight of all time because mm-hmm. I came in a teenager, big fan of Mike Tyson. He's out of jail. He's part of the rap culture. He's got tattoos. He's everything. And I'm like, oh, this guy, holy, he's good, but he had a little bit. You know, all these all this crap that the media spent us. And I exited. A Holyfield fan for life. Did you know that if you stood up to the bully, he would break? Did you know that was a potential in Mike? Being that he probably wasn't training as serious as he was back in the 80s, that he didn't have the, the same mental backbone as you had. Well, when you know, you see, people don't know the history that Mike and I had. You got to understand, Mike and I were both on a losing squad trying to make the Olympic team. You know, I made it. He did. He did. So, we sparred together and all this, but some people asked me and said, why you ain't never tell nobody that? Because that wasn't important. That was the past. <laughs> how, was, wait, how old were you when you sparred him? I'm talking to him. He was 17 years oh, old, wow. and I was 21. So how many, how many people who are older going to talk about what they did to a 17-year-old kid? I'm talking, so it wasn't nothing to talk about. It wasn't nothing to talk about. I'm talking, your past is your past. What is good or bad? It's it's the past. What you gonna do today? And and, and that's that's you know, pretty much that's it for me. What are we gonna do today? He rocked you in round one. I know you remember that. It was like well, ten yeah. seconds in the well, fight. Well he got the first shot, he got the first shot in. And you kinda of, you kinda of did a little like not a dance, but you buckled and I'm like, No, whoa, whoa. no, no, I went no, I went buckling. I got hit with shot, and I looked at him like this, and I, yeah. I shake my head like that and and it hit him back. The art of the game when you hit people back, and that's what's going to be the difference. People who don't get hit, they always hit people. Like my mama used to say, she said, she always look at the big guy. The big guy ain't accustomed to getting hit because nobody never hit him back. So once you start hitting them, then you'll know how tough he is. It's just all in what you can take. Everybody it. knows you can give it to somebody, but can you take it? So you had a lot to come back from in that fight of, of people worried about your health. Did you still have it? There was also this weird, we had Todd Grisham on the, on the show yesterday, a weird like spiritual battle going on. There was like your God against his God, this, this, this narrative that began taking over. Yeah, how serious was that? Well, you know, that somebody else started that with me. 
I, I think is one God and everybody under that one God. And so if you want to give him another name, and that, but the point of the matter, I just understand we have one God, and but I actually know his name. I I know what he <laughs> have done for me already. I yeah. have testimonies because like I tell people, I said my testimony, my first testimony of that my mom was beating the daylights out of me. I had to call God on her. (laughs) 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 Oh, it just got real with Evander Holyfield. I love it. All right, Evander, you've had many great wins, Hall of Famer, all that. Sometimes your best wins in a sport, though, are losses in how you deal with it because it wins the respect of those that have been against you. So I say it. One of the best fights of all time, your first fight with Riddick Bowe. All right? Yes. You still had that lingering over you. Oh, this guy's just a blown-up cruiserweight. He didn't beat Mike to get the title. All that. You get knocked down. I think it was round 10. Oh. You get that spit falling down from your mouth. Anybody else in that spot's out against Prime Riddick Bow, and you rally back that round. Of course, of it course. almost dropped him. Yeah. I know you lost that fight. It's a classic. I think you gained more fans in a loss that night. Well, than well, I, I did because you know what? People became afraid of me because of what Riddick Bow did. I'm saying, you know, he hit him, and did I get? And the guy didn't stop. He was trying to get it back. I don't want to mess with him because he going to stop. I mean, are you, like, mentally there in those moments? Sure, sure. Uh, sure. Because you, you have – God, it, it inspires me. I, I can't – I get the chills when I watch those rounds. When I, I, I almost want to cry. I'm like, you, you, how do you – I mean, you either have it or you don't, right, Evander? Well, well no, I wouldn't say that. You can, you, you can be taught that. You don't get to be taught that, but you know, but you got to apply. At any given time, if I change my mind, then I change my mind. That means that I can get hurt because I changed my mind. But if I set my mind to do it, then now I got to do it. That's true. That's true. All right. You've always accepted, not accepted, lose, dealt with losing with grace. And I've always respected that, even with the ear biting ridiculous. I mean, you were so graceful. You're friends with Mike today. It's beautiful. You went to Russia, though, to fight the giant for a world yeah, title. Yeah. You were going to break George Foreman's record with a victory. It was at a time where people were saying, shouldn't even to retire. I don't, I've got a theme here of people not loving and respecting you at key moments. I thought you beat Nikolai Valuev. There's no doubt. Everybody knew I beat. And you know, when nobody fight for me to make sure I got, you know, and I, yeah. see, only thing I was trying to prove to people, I said, in our era, because you don't, you, you can't fight out of error. Because if you could fight, you would have been to make one. So I was trying to say, our era, that means Mike Tyson, uh, Lennox Lewis, Reddit Bow, and um, what, what, what the guy that beat uh, Tyson? Uh, the, the guy that beat Tyson. Um, Buster Douglas? Buster Douglas. And I said, now, this is, that was our era. So I was saying our era better than their era. And they would have been proven if they would have gave me the thing, because, you know, Mike Tyson was the youngest heavyweight. I would have been the oldest heavyweight. And so that would have proved that, you know, in, in general, in their era, they were the best. This is what they done. They they did what the other people did and did it better and all this. And, and, and this would say they had the better era. But they robbed you. Well, all they that sure sweaty did. guy, hairy guy did is hug you the whole night. Well, you, you, you're absolutely right. And, you know, and, and what happened, so I talked with the guy, and he said, he said, and the guy told me, he said, 
do you know do you know the reason why the Cliff Cove won't fight you? I said, no. He's called Emmanuel Stewart. said, let me tell you, Evander, if you ever think he he don't know what he's doing, he's not going to fight a fight that he can't win. <laughs> that's, that's just, and, and that's it. You know, my whole thing, I wasn't going to go in and fight unless I knew I could win. So there's no fight ever winning that I thought I would go lose. I love that mentality. It's amazing. All right, you were part of what I call the best heavyweight era ever. You named all the big names there. I mean, we had Big George lingering, and it was amazing. All killer, no filler. Guys like Ray Mercer were lingering. Guys like Burt Cooper, all, all these guys. Today, we have three big names, and they're all undefeated. It's Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder, Anthony Joshua. You know the politics of Andrew. Who knows if they're all going to face each other? But they're all unbeaten. Who would be the last man standing if we saw them all face each other? Who do you, Who's the king of this division in your eyes? Uh, I'm talking I think it's it's undecided, just like it is, because all of them, all of them at, at some point in time can win the fight. And you know, if if they go to sleep on Deontay, they'll get knocked out. At any given time, they get knocked out. Now, unfortunately, they didn't give him the fight. That guy was on his back for Tyson Fury. Wow! After, after them four seconds. They stopped the fight. They won't even you try to get up, they'll jump on you. Oh, no, 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 no. They do that. They didn't do that. Uh, un- unfortunately, it, it comes out that it comes out the way that it is. I'm saying, and then it, that holy ghost power got that guy off the canvas. Well, well, yeah, he did. <laughs> like, like walking dead. That's a walking dead. You know, and I was surprised. I was, I was, it was amazed that he can get up and and. And in them 30, 40 seconds, but then again, the, the man gave him a long count, too. After that, made him walk. Jack Reese gave him a chance. It was yeah, very good. But yeah, it gave, it gave him, he had too much time and all that. Your job, your job as a referee is not to make sure that the, this guy, like, you know, if you feel that he ain't like that, you call it off. Right. You don't say, oh, oh, okay, then, oh. Oh, he's all right. Well, of course you gave him all that time. I said that's just that's that's that was just literally wrong. All right, how familiar are you this guy with Alexander Usyk from Ukraine? He he won all four cruiserweight world mm-hmm. titles. Mm-hmm. He's going up to heavyweight. He's going to make his debut mm-hmm. in a few months here. There's comparisons to cruiserweight Evander Holyfield going up to heavyweight. Mm-hmm. This guy's a little bit of a different fighter. He's taller, longer, slick boxer. Can he compete with the super heavyweights of today in your eyes? Well, um the guys are a lot, lot bigger than than they were when when I fought, and 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 I think that the thing is is that if if he got the hand speed and 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 he got the hand speed in his shape and can fight now, I could box. I can. I it didn't make no difference. I could do all those things them guys doing, and my hands were a little faster than theirs. So I had I had something, and my stamina. I, you know I was. I was in great shape. I'd rather die trying to get you out of there. <laughs> and so I was going, I was willing to pay that price. And so I feel that if he's able to do that, then he's going to have a great chance. Right. Well, he's going to have a great chance. You can never, you never can underestimate somebody and tell them what they can't do. But let's be honest. He didn't have Dwight Muhammad Kawi. He had Cruiserweight waiting for him, ready to go 15 rounds of hell. And what, in no, your, what, 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 seventh pro fight? Was it well, good? Lord. No, 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 no. That was... A twelfth, twelfth pro fight. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking that. that That's was, hell. You were in the well, midst no, of hell. And I kind of that fight was so tough that when I when the fight was over and I went to the hospital, 
I gave the belt to my manager. I say, look, you can have the belt because I don't want to be champion no more. <laughs> I'm done with this sport. I'm done. I, I, done. I, I told him I ain't want to do it no more. I said, wow. I said, look, uh-uh. No, no. He said, Evander, please, man, just rest. So he had the doctor come and give me some medals and stuff. So I wake up the next day and the fight is on again. It was on, on again. And, and I see that I did well. And he said, you have never had to fight a fight as tough as that again. I never had. You're right. I was going to say, you've been in some great wars since then, but I don't think you got to go with a, with a guy. I mean, that guy, he fought evil. He fought evil. Like that was like the look on his face, man. Well, I mean, well, yeah. you got to yeah. give, I know you got him back in the rematch. Not, not a yeah. big deal, right? All right. Evander Holyfield, Canelo Jacobs weekend. I could have, God, I could sit here for an hour and talk up and down the road with you. It's a pleasure to chat with you. Best of luck on all you're doing outside the ring after your career. You're still in hella shape. You can still go 12. Let's be honest here. All right. Uh. Not fighting, though. Not fighting. All right, 12, all right, all right. You can go 12. All right. You got anything to, to pub? Anything we should be looking out for? Excuse any me? appearances? Anything to pub? Anything you got wow. coming up in the future? Any projects? Well, well, not not at this time. Okay. Not at this okay. time. Great. Right. Thank you, though. We love it. Great chatting with you, buddy. Okay, then. We're looking at Fox analyst, Hall of Famer, legendary heavyweight Lennox Lewis. Lennox, true or false? You ushered in the era of super heavyweights that we know today, not just by being a big dude at 6'5 and being jacked, but by having the skills to back it up. Absolutely. I'm the pugilist specialist. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't call myself pugilist specialist for nothing. I say because I'm five-dimensional, not one-dimensional. Oh, wow. You know, my trainer said, well, if you want to be a great fighter, you have to learn to box on the inside mm-hmm. and the outside. So. I just, you know, I don't want anything to happen in the ring that I'm not prepared for. And you're talking about Emmanuel Stewart. You're talking yes. about the legend. You're talking about the that the best. The oh my god! The Look best. at this. Yes, you know it. All right. So I'm going to be honest with you, though. Okay, yep. your career was one of those fine wines where it took you retiring for us Americans to realize how great you were. Oh. Now you're getting that respect in the top, even top five of all time great heavyweights. Yeah. I see. But to be honest with you. During the 90s, that incredibly epic era of heavyweights, we were almost trained as American fans not to respect you. You were sort of this enemy. You had the accent. You represented all these other countries. We wanted you to fight our guys but lose to them. (laughs) Did you feel that vitriol back? Oh, absolutely. You know, I told everybody I was fine wine because, you know, I don't need to talk and say what I can do and who who I can be and what happened. I prove it. So, So I set records. I set standards which others need to, they're following or need to break. So, um, yeah, I felt it. What can I say? <laughs> I apologize now. But thank you. Know, back you. Thank then, you I'm like, for apologizing. This guy's overrated. He's this, he's that. Yeah. But here's the deal. Yeah. You knocked he's, out. You, you, you beat everybody you faced, all right? Right. And you avenged your two losses by knockout with authority. So. Yes. I heard I was arrogant. That was bad. You were, you I wasn't were, arrogant. Yeah, you're a little bit arrogant. You thought I was arrogant? You remember the interview after the Klitschko <laughs> fight with Larry? Larry was trying to put it on you. Oh. He was a little arrogant. Yeah, yeah. But he no, was, I had to put... Dude, the guy was saying these guys were going to beat me. I'm like, okay. Look at his face. Who's beating who? That is true. I put I put gloves on him. What type of mental strength do you need to have to come back twice from KO losses and big title fights? Mm-hmm. And you've seen in the sport, guys lose their invincibility. They're done. Right. Never the same. Right. You came back right away and reestablished yourself. Yeah. Why were you different? Two reasons. The first reason is, you know, losing the first time, 
Listen, this man threw an unbelievable punch, which my chin happened to be in the way of. And he caught me. So I went down. The referee jumped in and stopped it. Quick stoppage. I understand yeah. how I lost. It's like falling off a horse. They didn't give you a chance, though. They really didn't give no, you a chance. And, no. I, and I was a Lennox hater, but they right. didn't give you a chance. You know it. You know it. So then uh, that, was, that was one reason. What was the question again? Mental toughness. Oh. Why, why, you, what, what was now, different about you? The, sec- oh, the, the second reason, I knew what happened. I knew I fell off that horse, so I needed to get back on that horse and fix it. That's all I needed to do. Just make sure that, you know, seriously what happened in one of the fights, I put up my hand to block the punch. It happened to go around my punch, uh, my hand that I put up to block it and caught me on the that's chin. That's the Rockman. Yeah, that's, the, rock, that's the Rockman. All right. And um, Now, were, were any of those rumors true that you weren't in the gym as much as normal? You were doing the Oceans movie. You were, uh, look, maybe Rockman, you didn't think he was that big of a deal. That was the from the American side. We're like, finally, Lennox got it. He got what he deserved. Listen, he, didn't, he didn't take this fight seriously. Listen, whatever the reason was or happened, I corrected it. You know Good what I mean? Or te- did you correct it? That's the greatest FU knockout ever, right? Yes. That, like, yes. Like, yes. Like, like, yes. It, you could see the intensity after that fight, how I felt. Uh, yeah, how, that's how, right. How artistically brilliant is it when you knock out Rockman in the rematch and his head falls right under the Don King crown logo on the ring? It's just sort of like, and his arms are out. It's almost like, it's, it's, it's great, right? Yeah, of course. He, he actually mentioned that. He said, oh, you knocked him out over the Don King sign and da 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 da. So he was happy about that. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I was happy about that too because I knocked him out in a, in a round before he knocked me out. Take that. Take that, yeah. The Rock. All right. I'm going to bring up my favorite Lennox Lewis fight, all right? Go on. Madison Square Garden, 1996. I always loved me some Ray Mercer, but we always thought yeah. he doesn't work out full time. Mm-hmm. He can be hit or miss in the fights he's supposed to win. He gets upset and loses. You got the very best that Ray Mercer ever had on that night in the Garden. Ten rounds of hell and fury. Uh, Oh my, oh my God, Emmanuel was, was, was up that ass trying to, trying to just shake you. Let me tell you. How hard was that fight? Listen, that fight was, uh, I was in the other man's backyard. You know what I mean? They, they, I went the night before, checked out the ring. It's a nice big ring, you know, no paddings under it. It's, uh, you know, the next day when the fight's happening, I go in the ring, it's like 12 feet big. I'm like, who did this? Somebody corrected the ring overnight. They make so, it smaller? Yeah, what do they do? Yeah, they made it smaller because they realized ah. if I had that movement, Ray Mercer couldn't touch me. All I, oh, fa- all I so found. So that's why it was such a great fight because you were in the little, little phone booth. Yeah, there. they, they said he can't fight inside. I tricked him. And that was a time where you really needed to prove yourself. Oh, yeah. Coming off of the, you know, the McCall loss. Of course, you'd be Tommy Morrison in a big fight, but, uh. They wanted to see if I had heart. I had plenty of heart. Did, they did didn't, he rock they, you didn't, at all? they didn't know how big did my heart was. Did he get you at all? Ray? No, no, no. Uh-huh. You know what he did do, which I was upset about? It gave me a fat lip. So fancy walking around with a fat lip. With, all it, the time. with, with his fist or head? <laughs> no, with his uh, with his jab. All right, all right. We'll give it up for it. that. Was the best night of his career. He didn't get it done. But no, he did a great job that fight. But uh, you know, I'm a warrior as well. You, you, you did prove that. All right, yeah. the heavyweights today. We got three of them. They're unbeaten. You're very vocal about it on Twitter, which I like. Yes. You're not afraid to put to put your opinion out there. No. Who's going to be the last man standing of Wilder, Fury, Joshua? When? Or if we finally get them all to man up, put the politics aside, put the networks aside, and do what you used to do, which is settle it in the damn ring. I just got a promo right Yes. Yeah. Hey, I love it. I yeah. love it. When are they going to settle it in the ring? Well, you know what? The heavyweights today are thinking something different. 
You know, they got uh, too much Floyd on the brain. They want to be <laughs> businessmen, right? Yes, they're thinking something different. I know how high would do it. You know, I, I'm, if I was up there, I want all of them. I want them yesterday. Yeah. Let's do a tournament. Let's see who the best man is. Let's, yeah, I'll put up the money to do a tournament. Oh, that's what we did. We basically did that. You know, um, I mean, Riddick put it, put it in the garbage, but you right. took it out and you put it around your waist, you know? Right. Well, I got it given to me and I didn't take it yeah, out of the garbage. That, that one true. stayed in the garbage. I got a brand new one. All right, all right. So there. And Riddick, Riddick, all all he showed is that he didn't want to fight me because that was supposed to be a a round robin, uh, me, Tyson, Holyfield, and him. And everybody else went through it. Razor Ruddick was in there. And then all of a sudden, Riddick said, oh, he didn't want to fight me because he's seen what I did to Razor Ruddick. And the same thing I did to him in the Olympics, he must have been having nightmares. So hey, Mike Tyson said that Razor Ruddock hits like a mule. Did you experience that firsthand? Or you, uh, got, you got him before he could get you, right? Absolutely, because of that. All right. All you right. know, if somebody says somebody hits like a mule, what do you do? You hit them you first. Hit them first, yeah. All right. Who would who would win though if we saw Wilder Fury and uh, Joshua take a round robin? Who who would who, who would be? It would be a draw. You know, you know it. They trade they trade wins and losses. Sure. Okay. Uh, it, it depends if, um, you know, where, where, where the fight's at. If the fight's in England, it's different judges. Yes. Fight's in America, different judges. But all three of them, you know, any one of them can hold the, the championship. Right now, uh, Anthony Joshua is the top man. And, uh, you know, although his promoter kept him on the shel- shelf for a while, uh, you know, I, I think that was the wrong thing to do. I think... Uh, if you want to be undisputed, that's what you're going out for. Nothing can stop you. That's what I went out for. So right. I, that's why I said I would do things a little different. Then let me ask it to you like this. If yes. prime Lennox Lewis. So what, what, what's your prime? Maybe the Morrison fight is the top of the mountain, the best you ever were in one night. Maybe. Or maybe Michael Grant. I don't know. <laughs> Give you, me Razor Ruddock. Okay. The best you ever were. Which of those three heavyweights, if you can fight them now magically, is the toughest matchup for you? I'm saying Tyson Fury is. 100%. 100%. Why? Because he can do things with his hands that no other heavyweight can do, right? What can I do, do stuff that people don't do. He, he'll kiss men on the lips if he has to. He'll do whatever <laughs> he has to do. He did that to Surf and Safari and then lifted him up at the weigh-in. Yeah. He, look, he's a, he's a comical guy. Yeah. But he can, he can, he, here's the thing. You know what the American media got wrong? They got wrong on Lennox Lewis being a badass. They got wrong when Fury disarmed Klitschko to win the titles. They're like, oh, it was a boring fight and one guy fought less boring no, than the other. No, no that Great was fight. brilliant. Great fight. He, he might fight. he might be able to do that against on his best night against a prime Lennox Lewis, right? Or do let we, me tell do you, we just let me tell you, let's let's not cross errors. Okay, this is okay. his and Anthony Joshua's and uh, Deontay's era right now. So you know this is their era. They have to do what they need to do in this era to do to become you know living legends. So he doesn't have the power to hurt you though. So that'd be his problem. You'd catch him eventually, right? Yeah, You'd I've got the power him. to hurt him though. Okay. You walked away and you stood with it after the Klitschko fight and you won that, whatever Larry said, and he got in your face. Hey, you won it. You broke the guy's darn face. You tore it off of him, all right? Yes. It was one of the best fights of all time. You know this. No one has to tell you that. <laughs> but you walked away. You said, look, I'm done. I'm good. What yes. do you have to do? I beat everybody they put in front of me. Right. If they beat me, I got them back by knockout. How close, though, did you come to ever coming back? Maybe we don't know this. Maybe you're going to break news right now. I'm sure the offers were there, the phone calls, the wire transfers. How close did Lennox come to take that fight? Very, very close. And, you know, it's interesting because uh, I said to myself, listen, once I retire, I'm not coming back. And, you know, that's why I stayed. What's up? What's up? What's up? Got legends giving giving high fives here. George Foreman moving in. Yes. Yeah. So, no, it, what, do you have a name? Do you have a time? Do you have anything? When it was uh, close? No, nothing? 
Because remember when Roy Jones beat Ruiz, yeah. and suddenly they're like, Lennox Lewis is going to fight him in Nigeria for about $4 trillion. But that wasn't real, though, right? No, it wasn't real. All right. Um, you know, I... I love basketball like Michael Jordan. I've seen him go up and down. I realize it's not good to stop and then start again. Yes, so, yes. you know, I learn from other, other athletes. Remember that, like, look, while I have you here before I let you go and you've yeah. been great and I love chatting with you. One of my favorite fights that they play on ESPN Classic, they used to a lot. Do you remember this dude you fought? He, he unfortunately passed away. He was that European dude. Oh. You know, or did, I think he passed away. Zelko Zel- Mavrovich. Mag- you fought him in my home state of Connecticut. No, he's still here. living. He's still living? Okay. Yeah, still living. Or, or his career ended early yes, before yes. it did. Okay. So my apologies there. 1998. He, he gave you a fight, Lennox. He gave did me a good fight. Did you think he was going to? Listen, this is when, when you fight smaller guys that are quick. He had quick. a mohawk. He yeah. was a weirdo, but he gave you a fight. He, he had the entire country behind him, of course. All you know, right, guys that right. have entire countries behind them is like. Because I was Team hard. Maverick. You know, I was a Lennox hater, so I was Team Maverick there, okay. all right? He fought did some you, weird tent. Did, you, did you have the hairstyle as well? I, no, but I w- it wouldn't have been that. I, w- I could have done that. Yeah, I'm a little weird. Yeah, all right, all right. Lex, before I let you go, it is Canelo Jacobs weekend. Do you have a favorite, and why? Uh, the cha- it's always the favorite is always the champion. I think uh, Jacobs is uh, coming in with more than um, just training and, and experience. He's got uh, the will, the might, and he believes, and that's a, another strength. All, all in mm-hmm. it. So it'll be an interesting fight, and uh, I think these are the, t- the type of fights people want to see because they follow the story and they just want to follow it to the end. I love it. I love it. The best punch you ever threw, by the way, was that uppercut against Michael Grant. Thank Good. you. Yeah. God, man. Somebody said I cheated. How do I cheat? I, I told uh, everybody. No, you sidestep. You, the his head was, does that. Yeah. yeah. His head was there, so I just kept it in one position while I hit it. Uh, the Hall of Famer Lennox Lewis. <laughs> He pulls no punches. He dodges no questions. He's a true legend. Thank you, sir. Thank Great. you. Best of luck on Fox. All right. Thank you. Cinco de Mayo weekend in Las Vegas with the biggest star in boxing, Canelo Alvarez. You got some kind of challenge this Saturday against Daniel Jacobs. Three middleweight titles on the line live on zone. Canelo, I'm fired up for this fight, but I've been watching you. Cool shades. Chill. Relax. <laughs> Tell me what's going on on the inside of Canelo Alvarez right now. No, todo bien, relajado, listo. Eh, creo que tengo la experiencia de poder ya saber manejar todo esto y, y pues más que nada tranquilo, no esperando el día nada más. No, everything's good. I mean, I have the experience, you know. I, I am relaxed, I am calm because the experience brings that. I know how to handle the situations and we're ready for Saturday. I gotta ask you, is that a calculated move by you? To be quiet publicly, to do your interviews in Spanish only, does that keep you relaxed ahead of a big fight? Eh, es parte de, es parte de lo que hago siempre, así que eh, siempre me mantengo tranquilo, soy un peleador tranquilo, una persona que eh, sabe controlar las emociones. No, that's just me, that's my character, you know, I'm a, I'm a calm individual, I'm a calm fighter, I know how to control emotions. Well, you're a very straight shooter. You're always honest with us. And one of the narratives this week that both Danny Jacobs is talking about, his promoter, Eddie Hearn, is the judges. From your perspective, mm-hmm. the narrative in boxing is that you get the benefit of the doubt in a close fight. Why do you think that's so? No, mira, eso es eh, ya cuando vienen con esa mentalidad, ya viene perdiendo, ¿no? Realmente, cada quien hace su trabajo y, y yo hago mi trabajo arriba del cuadrilátero, los jueces hacen el suyo, él hace el suyo. Pero cuando ya vienen con esa mentalidad, ya vienen perdiendo. Y él, antes de subirse, ya está, ya está perdido. You know, when you come with that mentality, that tells me he's a mentality of defeat. He's defeated. They're coming in, when, once they step in the ring like that, 
they're defeated. Everybody just has to do their job. That's how I see it. I go in there to do my job. The judges have to do their job, and he's supposed to do his job. Well, you fought Gennady Golovkin in two classic action fights. Jacobs, though, brings a little bit of a different package. He's bigger. He might be quicker. Where does this potential challenge rank among the most difficult of your career? Sí, no, es más difícil. Es una pelea más difícil, ¿no? En cuestión de, de técnica, ¿no? Porque eh, Jacob es un peleador que se sabe, eh, sabe utilizar las dos guardias, sabe utilizar muy bien el cuadrilátero. Con Golovkin, no, con Golovkin fue una pelea dura, fue una pelea intensa. Entonces, va a ser un poco difícil los primeros asaltos en lo que me adapto al estilo, pero estamos listos para esto. Different, different fighter, obviously, he's much more technical. It's different because he's, uh, he'll be difficult where with Golovkin's it was intense, it was hard, it was strong. But we're prepared for that. It'll be difficult in the few, first few rounds. But once I adapt and everything, we're, we're prepared for that and ready for it. From the outside looking in, I would guess there's pressure on you, Canelo. You're the face of the zone. You signed a pretty large deal last year. Congratulations on that. Thank Touching you. a lot of M's, as the kids say these days. But here's the deal. The zone probably wants you to win. If you win, you're probably getting Gennady Golovkin a third time. How much pressure does that put on you when you enter in the fight, which could be the toughest of your career on Saturday? No, ninguna presión. No existe ninguna presión. Yo solamente hago mi trabajo. Quiero hacer las mejores peleas. Y eh, mientras que esté haciendo historia, para mí está bien. ¿no? Y eso es lo que quiero. Las mejores peleas para mí y para el público. No, there's no added pressure. There's no added, uh, um, you know, I, I continue doing my, my job the way I have been doing it, giving the fans, uh, fighting the best, giving them the best fights because I continue writing history. Let's speak about that history real quick. You're 28 years old, but you've accomplished a lot in, let's say, the last six, seven years, more than most guys do their whole career. I don't usually ask a guy south of 30 about his legacy. Do you ever take stock of what you're compiling and how people will look back at you when your career is over? Te das cuenta lo que has hecho en tan poco tiempo. Has hecho más tú que muchos en toda su carrera. No, la verdad que sí. Me siento muy contento. Creo que a uno se les da eh, así y, y tuve la oportunidad de que así fuera, ¿no? Gracias al trabajo que hemos hecho, a la disciplina que hemos tenido desde, desde niños y que nos hemos puesto un objetivo de hacer historia y las cosas se van dando, ¿no? Poco a poco. Y, y eso me, me, me hace sentir muy orgulloso. I'm very honored. I'm very happy. I mean, obviously, this is not just from now. It's it's many years of hard work the team have we've put in, but you know things are are unfolding and happening because of that hard work, and that makes me very motivated and very happy. All right, we're gonna find out what happens Saturday night, exclusively streaming on the Zone when you face Danny Jacobs. From your point of view, what's the key to victory? What has to happen for you to get your hand raised? No, poner todas mis habilidades, todas mis cualidades, mi experiencia arriba del cuadrilátero, y eso es lo que me va a llevar a la victoria. To put all my abilities, my experience, all up in that ring, and that it's going to take me to victory once again. I know I always say to you, but Canelo, come on, give it to me one more time. Saturday, are you ready? Yeah, I'm always ready. I was born ready. There it is, right there, born ready, Saturday <laughs> night. We'll see you. Thank you so much. Las Vegas, the fight capital of the world. Daniel, the miracle man, Jacobs. You'll have your big fight. It's Saturday against Canelo Alvarez, unifying those middleweight titles. But, Daniel, hearing your promoter, Eddie Hearn, talk, calls your story beating cancer, coming back to win the world title, the greatest story ever told. But he says it doesn't have that full, happy ending, that big win. He thought it was going to be against Golovkin. It might be against Alvarez on Saturday. How much do you feel there's almost this divine power lifting you to this moment? Well, I feel like this is my destiny. I truly feel, I truly feel like an opportunity of a lifetime will present itself on Saturday night. And I just have to stay headstrong 
and accomplishing the task, not thinking about anything other than because it's a tough task to deal with to begin with. So stay headstrong for the fight, and then every accolades that I can uh, obtain after the fight or, you know, if people want to say this is one of the greatest comebacks uh, of boxing or however they want to feel about my story, that's fine, and I'll take the criticism then. But as of right now, I'm just remaining focused. Look, you asked experts on this fight. Across the board, 50-50 fight. One of the best, probably the biggest fight this year. The odds makers, though, surprisingly, I thought, made Canelo a larger favorite. How surprised were you when you saw that initial line? I don't think I was surprised at all. I mean, obviously, in Vegas or in general, Canelo Alvarez is just a favorite regardless to who he faces because he's one of the faces of boxing. He's a big, super big draw. And it's nothing, it's not insulting to, for, me, for me to be the underdog. I kind of expected it to be the case, even though the numbers are, you know, <laughs> kind of drash, right? So uh, it just means that if you bet on me, I guess you can win a lot of money. But, there you go. There yeah. you go. It's a safe bet right there it's from Danny Jacobs himself. He said yeah. it. I'll give you credit. This week, you sort of push the negativity away. You don't want to harp on the things like, the rehydration clause, the the things we all know about the judging and the scoring. Was there a certain decision you made at some point that I got to go all positive from here on out? Well, it's simply just to go inside and keep the game plan, really. I mean, I have to fight at the end of the day. And we all know in boxing, your hands can dictate the outcome. So from the he say, she say to all the negative things about so many other different things that are not in my control, I go inside the ring with the mindset of what I can control. I'm going to control that to the full of my ability. What can you take from rewatching your own fight with Gennady Golovkin and the two action fights that Canelo had with him as well to sort of connect it and do boxing math and sort of say he looked like this against this opponent, I look like this in terms of Saturday's fight? Well, I just think that styles make fights. Um, we're not going to be sure of what style Canelo is going to bring to the table because he can fight in different styles as we've seen in both Golovkin fights. So I just have to remain headstrong, use my game plan, assert myself early on and see what form of style he brings to the table and adjust to make it so that I can be victorious and um, have my hand raised by the end of the night. I've seen you say the word activity as potentially being the key to victory on Saturday. How much do you have a certain punch number in your mind? How, how much active do you want to be each round in order to instill that the judges don't sway in the other direction? I want to hit him as much as I can. It's as simple as that. It's not a specific number. Um, it's really just to stay busy because, as we all know from watching Canelo and watching his fights throughout the past, he fights in spurts. He doesn't fight 100% every round. Um, when the spurts are on, they're good. But for the most part, if I can be more active and use... Uh, my natural abilities, which is my jab, my hand speed, and so many other things that I have that I can display come Saturday night. It's just really about going inside there and initiating them. Come Saturday night when you two finally face off and all this talk is behind us, you said, look, I know I'm going to have to have a plan A, B, all the way down to Z. I know you have your game plan, but mentally, where do you need to be? What's the key mentally for you to get this victory? Uh, I just need to be simply me, and I think I've had the experience and being in big fights and being at this platform, even though this is the pinnacle of where you want to be in a professional boxing match, this is the biggest you can go. But I've had my experience. I've been the underdog. I've been counted out. I've been the one that people say he has no chance. And the odds have been even worse than what they are now. So for me, it's just to remain level-headed, keep the game plan at the forefront, and make sure I can go in there and execute. All right, in closing here, how much do you visualize what that feeling will feel like 
if you defeat the biggest star in the sport, you unify middleweight titles, you give an amazing happy ending to what has been, like Eddie Hearn said, arguably the greatest story ever told. That might be the first time you guys see me cry on camera. I mean, that's a mind-bottling experience because very rarely does one person have an opportunity to fulfill their dreams, you know, in life, in, the very, in one moment, in one night. You can fulfill all of these different things that you set forth for the very first time you put your gloves on. And that's what I have in fighting Canelo Alvarez Saturday night. So uh, I'm excited about the opportunity. Uh, but I, most importantly, I'm not here to just be here. I'm here to be victorious and to prove myself and to assert myself into the Hall of Fame and to being one of the best of my generations. Wow. Middleweight showdown you can't miss Saturday night in Las Vegas. Daniel Jacobs, Canelo Alvarez, thanks so much. Best of luck to Thank you. Thank you. Invaded by DAZN royalty right now, the EVP. I don't know what that stands for, but it sounds rich to me. Joseph Markovsky. Don't don't call him Polish Joey Markowski. All right, no, no, no American mispronunciations here. This is a, a classy man from Britain. I'm from Britain. I don't know about the yes. classy bit. And he's got, with respect to David Lemieux, the best hair in boxing, sir. Well, right? we had this conversation yesterday. I think um, Devin Haney's dad has got. Arguably the best hair in boxing. Wow, I did. that's a wild card. I didn't see that one coming. Yeah. All right, all right. Yeah. What do you call this, Joe? A chick um, magnet? What do you call that? It's definitely not a chick magnet. It's sort of a floppy British blonde mess is how I describe all right. it. All right. But Chris likes it. Um, I know people want to talk about boxing, but you're on a pretty miraculous run yourself as this uh, baby-faced executive, kind of mm. operating the ones and twos behind the scenes with the zones boxing, right? That's very kind of you. I th- we have a fantastic team, and I'm lucky to be... Um, Obviously, in, in the sort of um, mentorship of John Skipper, um, you couldn't really ask for a better guy um, or girl to be uh, down the corridor for yeah, advice. He's and, my former Skipper and, at ESPN, if you will. And he's right? our Skipper now at the zone. And, you know, f- for me personally, having him and Stuart Epstein, our, our CFO, Simon Denyer, our founder, um, you know, available to me to help me make decisions day to day is pretty invaluable. And I, I don't take that for granted. So... Um, yeah, great team, great leadership team, um, which John obviously uh, chairs globally. Um, but yeah, fantastic team and um, growing team here in North America as well. Uh, we're we're about a year into the Dazon. I'm not a full year would be September, but but you've you've been on the map for a year. Mm. So a year later, entering for the streaming app that said in a in a in a great advertising jingle, we're going to kill pay per view. This is your first giant pay per view, if you will, the 100%. fight on that level. Yeah, a year into it. How happy are you with where the operation's at? Yeah, I think you're right to say this is the first, um, I think, mega fight, the first big fight that would absolutely be a, a monster pay-per-view night if it, if it was being broadcast under the, under the traditional model. So we're, we're happy, first of all, to be delivering on our promises because I think, and I said this this week a few times, I'm not sure everyone believed us. When we came in as a sort of relatively unknown international business with you know, Eddie Hearn, obviously, um, sort of from a boxing perspective, our first major partnership, we were seen as a sort of British newcomer. No one knew who we were, um, made some pretty bold statements. We knew we needed to do that because we knew we, what we were planning to do. We knew um, what we wanted to do. We knew we could execute it. We also knew that the noise of North America and the US in particular, from a sports perspective, from a entertainment perspective, is such that if you want to cut through that noise, you can't be meek, you can't be quiet, you can't be... Um, too humble, if that makes sense. So we made a heard a uh, noise, and obviously when you make a noise, you've got to put pressure on your shoulders to go and deliver on that noise. And I think we are 
gradually building momentum. Say gradually, it's less than 12 months. It was 10th of May last year we made that announcement. Our first broadcast, I think, was the 22nd of September, AJ's fight in London with um, Povetkin. So in the space of sort of six, seven months, eight months, we have gradually built a significant momentum. We've obviously boosted that with the acquisitions of, of Canelo Alvarez, of Triple G. We're obviously in another AJ promotion at the moment. So we're building this stable of high-quality pay-per-view level fighters. And I think what I'm most proud of for our business is we've gone out and made a mega fight with the second fight in that Canelo deal. Yeah. But when we when we did the Canelo deal, um, we were sort of six, eight weeks away from the Rocky Fielding fight. We delivered it. It was great for our business. With respect to Rocky Fielding, he's not Danny Jacobs. Exactly. And this fight is, I, I, I think, um, testament to how quickly we have leveraged that relationship with Canelo and Golden Boy, come together as, as two very different organisations, international media business and a boxing promoter, to put on what feels like, and I think you'd share this view, a significant Vegas fight night. A it legitimate 50-50 A genuine 50-50. And just sort of a, almost, it starts transcending outside of boxing, this fight. It starts getting into the mainstream sporting conversation. Which not many boxing fights do that. And if we're looking, obviously, we're a data-led business. We look at event awareness. We look at um, how many boxing fans are planning to buy this and surveys. We look at the um, the comms coverage, how many members of the media turn up, what the coverage, coverage is on local RSNs and on national stations and the event awareness amongst sports fans as a result. And these numbers are popping this week because it's such a significant fight. I mean, this is the level of fight it. where you can't avoid zone now because mm. you got to see this fight whether you're a casual fan or hardcore. All mm. right, Joe, there's certain questions I've learned in life you don't ask people. I don't ask my wife how much she weighs, right? Yeah. I'm not going to ask to see your DMs, although I'm wondering about them, right? Mm. I'm not going to ask for your social security number, but I'm going to ask you from a zone <laughs> perspective – how many subscribers do you need to get to fr- from this fight to feel really happy? I know this is stuff you don't want to yeah. share, but the people want to know what what needs to happen in Canelo Jacobs for this to be a success for you. Well, there's definitely a number in my head, John Skipper's head, that would you know allow us to um, me to have a beer on Saturday night and sort of pat myself on the back and say job well done. I'm not going to tell you what that number is. But no, but the, the fact is, yes, this night is really important for our business, and yes, there's pressure on us, and yes. We're spending a lot of marketing dollars to make it a success, and I'm, I'm really confident where we, where we are going into the weekend that we're going to make it a success. But we have to also put it in context. It's one night in the course of a long-term investment in boxing. I think some people critiqued our entry last year saying, these guys we got in two years, who are they? I think we've shut those people up, to be blunt. And we are, of course, focused on this weekend. We are, of course, um, very um, focused on the numbers. But there's a long-term plan here. There's a fight in September for Canelo. There'll be a fight in the rest of the year for next end of the year for, for Danny Jacobs. And, you know, the, the, the show will go on. I'm really confident that, um, how we're tracking before this, before this weekend, before this whole sort of fight promotion, our numbers are in a good place. They're going to get supercharged this weekend. They're going to get supercharged with AJ. They're going to get supercharged with Triple G. And then we're into the back end of the summer. We've got Canelo's second fight of the year. Let's see how he gets through this weekend. If he gets through this weekend, we'll, and we'll think about that. And we'll think about Danny Jacobs next as well. So, um, yes, it's important. Yes, the numbers are obviously hugely in focus. And there is a number that we need to hit to give ourselves a level of comfort. But it's a long-term investment, and it's not just boxing or expanding right. beyond boxing. I well. can respect that. I can respect the fact that in less than a year, you got the two biggest global boxing stars. If yep. you want to have the face of the network in Canelo and in AJ, I know AJ is not exclusive, but you're worth. It's, look, it's friends AJ, with benefits. AJ, the, the benefits are great, right? AJ is exclusive in the US right now for us. Right. His next fight. Um, look, we have a great relationship with Anthony Joshua. I think a huge benefit for Anthony Joshua will be the fact that he's fighting within the next month after this weekend. So all the zone subscribers who come in this weekend, we're obviously confident there'll be lots of them, will be able to, um, within the course of their first month, 
enjoy at no extra cost that, that Anthony Joshua fight on June the 1st um, from MSG. He needs to commit time here. He knows that. He needs to spend time with people like yourself and building a brand here um, with his brand partners, with his media partners, and our, our guys are, are playing an active role in that. Uh, and if he does that, we're very confident that he'll be a US star on the same level as Canelo, like he absolutely is in the UK. He's number one or number two sports star in the UK, full stop. And that's right. a boxer. All right. So um, globally, he's got every asset you need to be a superstar. I mean, look at the guys. You couldn't get a more marketable human being than Anthony Joshua. No, no. I mean, he, he's a stud. I, I, look, there's, 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 what's boxing media? Boxing media is a sham these days. A lot all of very rumors. nice people, though. Well, yeah, really, really. We like of, all of you guys. A lot of weirdos just putting things out there, sources, right? Yeah. We know, who knows what's real? It's true of the executives as well. Lots of weirdos in that bunch, weirdos. myself included. You can't trust anybody in this game, all right? You I don't trust, believe that's true. Trust me, Joe, all right? But, uh, I, I trust. I, I don't think that's true. I think that's an unfair characterization. Well, you know, I can say bad things about my own family. That's where I'm going with that, okay. all right? But how about this, okay? <laughs> you, you guys reportedly threw a hell of a lot of money, general, generational money at Deontay Wilder and the hopes of building AJ mm. Deontay the fight that mm. will change our lives and mm. give the fans what they deserve and it didn't happen how does a man turn down generational wealth I know you don't want to comment on this Joe no. but I'm going to give you the space well, to- I, I, I can't comment on it it's not my place to say why that offer was turned down um, I didn't personally turn it down so um, look I don't want to get into that I think I'm still confident longer term that the best fights need to happen. There is enough incentive on every side of the table with the top guys in boxing and the people that represent them to, to make these fights happen. I'm just hopeful as a fan that it happens at some point. Um, and I think uh, the industry, uh, our business, uh, owes fans uh, the best possible fights. That's why we're so excited about having you know, a tripartite relationship with Triple G promotions with Golden Boy and Oscar and with uh, Matthew and Eddie you know, we have a stable of fighters middleweight is a, a division of particular um, significance for us where we can make fights like this relatively easily because we're all sort of under the same talk about family we're all under the same zone sort of ecosystem zone family uh, one happy family um, you know it's not always that easy with boxing promoters but it's definitely easier when you're all operating under the same sort of economic model and with the same people um, the same broadcast partner so this fight hopefully is, is is demonstrative of our ability to make these fights happen across the aisle between golden boy and um and matchroom obviously triple g have recently entered the family they're the the newborn in the zone family so um we're very excited about building out that relationship i spent some time with triple g's guys yesterday um, and we're we're excited about you know leveraging that position we have to to deliver for fans right and that's what we're about we're not you know ignoring all the the bullshit and politics of boxing sometimes we're we're here to make great fights happen to fight fans and this weekend is, yeah, this is um it's a good one this is a great one then it's hard to, for anyone to be mad at, at this one because it's a great price it's a hip look. We, do, we do get a bit of abuse i mean people I don't, sometimes i don't understand it we get called out for the, our co the cost of our service i don't get I I look, like, God, how you gotta you understand have... boxing so boxing fans and journalists even, they're so cynical because they're so beaten down. They're so used to not getting what they deserve mm. and then finally getting something at the end that they they almost turn down. They, they almost can't receive gifts, all right? I, I don't get it either. It's, it's, yeah. a, it's an abused population. But mm. sometimes fights get so big, Joe, mm. right? So you're not, you're not new to this boxing game. Like a Mayweather-Pacquiao, mm. that people who hate each other, people that can't work together mm. go, you know what? We're going to cash in yeah, on this. Yeah. We're all going to get naked and roll around in this money together. Let's do it. But... Because I don't want to get naked. Don't get naked with Bob Arum. I don't need to see that, okay? Unnecessary. But, Joe, it's easier when it's HBO and Showtime sleeping together and saying we're just going to mm. – but 
DAZN changed the game. DAZN killed pay-per-view. Could DAZN and another entity ever come together to make a super fight, or does it have to be on DAZN's rules? Mm. I'm giving you the hard questions, Joe, all yeah. right? Well, you, I was just, firstly, quite, you've mentioned getting naked and sleeping together, so I think you need to have a cold shower before you crack on with the rest of your oh interviews gosh, today. But the, this um, man, in this, terms of working with This other... young playboy talking to me about how to live my life. Come on. <laughs> the, um, in terms of working across the aisle with other broadcasters, we're on record, John's on record, I'm on record in saying, absolutely, we are willing to do that. I think I worked for our business before it was DAZN. It was, it was called Perform. And I think if you ask anyone in, especially in Europe where we, where we were based, where we, where we are based, uh, and here, we are a very good partner. And I think we have creative commercial approach to how we do our business. And um, we look at, 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 at opportunities and problems holistically and say, right, how can we make this thing happen for our business, for our, for our customers, for our partners? And I think um, that's where I think people say to me, what's it like? What's the culture like your company? What's your unique selling point? One of our unique selling points is that we have exceptionally talented commercial people who, who can create commercially sound solutions to problems. The problem we have in the US right now is there are boxes signed to different broadcast networks yes. and we have to navigate around those problems if we're going to stick uh, true to our promise to make the best fights happen. I would imagine that if we are unable in the course of the next couple of years to deliver on that promise because we can't get boxer A out of his or her contract with um, broadcaster Y to make him or her fight against our guy or girl, our brands are going to be harmed by that because people are going to go, you said you'd make the best fights, you haven't done it, and we don't give a toss about how hard it is or how political it is. You're just not delivering on what you said you'd do. Yeah, so right. we, we are on the hook Call to go and do crooks. that. Boxing's full of liars and crooks and survivors, I, 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 Joe, all right? I, I, yeah, I, 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 I've not, not, not... I said that. That's, yeah, that's not my experience in boxing, actually. Okay. And I think, you know... Would you buy a used car from Eddie Hearn? Straight up, all right? Um, Straight up. Uh, well... No. I feel like every um, time I talk uh, to him, my uh, wallet got lifted out of my pocket, and I'm uh, liking it. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. He could sell ice to the Eskimos, that's yeah, right. Um, no, I, I would um, – I think we, we, our brand is is attached to that um, that ability for us to deliver on our promise, so we will make it happen. And right. we are – you know, John, you couldn't ask for a, a guy who's better connected in this market than John Skipper. Um, he has the black book of contacts to make the phone calls that put those conversations – into motion, and you know, I will, I will, um, you know, dutifully follow him into that, and and, and try and, and and with our team work work to make those things happen at the right time. Right now, we don't need anyone else. We've got Canelo and Jacobs on the scales this afternoon, uh, going into I can't a. Can't wait for this fight, be, man. Right. Ten thousand people at the weigh-in. Start, Here's why you making Canelo the face of your brand was so brilliant. Okay. A, he's the biggest star in the sport. Great-looking dude. Mm. Soft-spoken. Doesn't he get looks arrested. looks good this week as well. Oh, God. Jesus. With the dark glasses. It's amazing. Okay. But but more importantly, and, he, and he's great. And he only lost once. And, well, I've seen him lose four times. But that's a judging. That's another thing. Anyway, <laughs> so here's the point here, Joe. Let's not get into that. Number one, he's old school. Yeah. He's daring to be great, seemingly at all times, except for that two-year window where he waited out Triple G and will forget that ever happened. He's, he's twice daring to be great. Mm. So... It's when like you're quoting from a DAZN press release when you well, say well, things I'm like very this. Very when good. he signed that deal with you, there was a new narrative of the cynical boxing public that said, well, look, this guy's touching so many M's, he doesn't have any motivation to fight mm. tough fights. Mm. Well, he proved that was wrong mm. by going after Danny Jacobs in a fight mm. that I'm not, I'm not predicting he's going to win. So, so that's how tough it is. Okay. But what are the conversations behind the scenes? Because if he had wanted to fight... John Ryder in this fight. We wouldn't. We wouldn't. Zone been, that's fine, Canelo. We wouldn't have done the deal if we thought that was a concern, or we weren't sort of, you know, uh, you know verbally or contractually protected against that. So um, we have a a, a a very clear contract 
that's yeah. obviously beneficial that says to both you must parties. Sign your contracts no, with balls. We, 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 we know what we're doing. We know what um, what fights and what matchups generate subscribers and generate revenue for our business and profit for our business. So um, you know, we're not going to chuck that level of money at someone who wants to. Um, and, and you know, we wouldn't be in business with someone who has that approach because it's not it's not consistent. And this is with a great business brand. relationship because the zone is stocked with middleweights. All right. We got Jaime yeah. Munguia walking around here. One day he'll be at middleweight. Jesse There's Vargas around here somewhere. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I think middleweight is 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 traditionally um, a, a a division, obviously of, of of significance and focus for fans. Heavyweight's probably the other the other one. And we're building our. It's not as easy in the heavyweight division right now. We have a fantastic position at, as a as a. Um, a position of, of influence on the middleweight division right now and we're going to use that to make great fights and I think um, if I have a message for fight fans who are sort of maybe still questioning you know are the zone going to run their promise just look at that poster I mean that is us doing exactly that it's a pretty it's, badass poster alright Joe poster. I don't want to keep you here all day you're busy I'm man you've got to go sign deals I'm sure you you got to call women back whatever you do in your personal I don't want to know Joe I don't want to know about this the only woman I've got to call back the only woman I've got to call back is my mum before she goes right. to bed in the UK but here's what I want to say one thing you've accomplished alright the funny name to zone days in it was fun we know what it is now but one thing you've accomplished is kind of a new vibe hey you got great looking steroid user todd grisham calling fights on on your broadcast with the salt and pepper what i'm saying is there's a young hip thing there's an ak and barack it's a whole mm. new vibe and audience we're we gonna see more of this is his own kind of changing the old boxing game of old guys in tuxedos yeah I'm, I'm a young guy i'm not particularly hip guy so i can't necessarily live up to those brand values myself but yeah you, you're right we, we identify um that there's an opportunity to come in and disrupt what we believe to be an overly polished, overly uh, man in suit behind desk talking about sports um, sort of culture in US sports broadcasting that, that needs shaking up. And I think if you look at <coughs> what Netflix have done for TV, what Spotify have done for music, they've injected that disruptive energy into their respective sort of genres of content, if that makes sense. And I think when we looked at the zone, probably... As a, as a concept, long before it was called as own, long before we bought any rights, pretty early 2014, mid 2014, we said, right, what is the problem with sport broadcasting globally? Why is it that sport is four or five years behind these other entertainment genres? And the reason is because sport is sold in longer term deals, right? So there's no natural pressure and moments of change um, as regularly as there were in, in music. It wasn't as a regular an opportunity to do that. And we saw immediately, not just here, but I was in Japan um, uh, for two years prior to into the US running our Japanese business it's exactly the same there there was a sort of legacy uh, stale uh, overly overly polished um, sports broadcasting sort of mindset and culture that didn't have that disruptive energy that, that, that the OTT services and other entertainment genres had brought about so part of our brand is absolutely to bring about that disruptive energy with that comes like a that. sort of young hip um, if that's not too much of a cliche to describe it, a, a more energetic, um, more true to sports, um, um, f the way that fans want, what we believe fans want to consume sports. Like boxing's talked about in barbershops, all right? Like, it's not talked about in corporate meetings, all right? You know what I mean? Like it, it isn't, and, it, and it, it's not just boxing. I'm talking about sports generally. If you look at uh, an ESPN broadcast, as fantastic a business as it is, and has fantastic a uh, model that they've built and uh, John obviously built this him, himself as part of that management group it, 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 it's it's synonymous with their brand it's been it's, it's not been disrupted for a while we are just we are disrupting that and we, we we have a unique approach we're not here to 
uh, you know, longer term, we'll, we'll see what happens. But we're going to we're going to operate in, in parallel with those guys. We just need to, um, I think, bring about a fresh energy in, in in the world of sports broadcasting. And part of that is investing in in talent that perhaps is is you know, and and, and athletes and a, and a certain look and feel of our content that is different to what's been done previously. And the early indications are that US sports and fight fans appreciate that and that keep they're enjoying disrupting it. the market, Joe. It's been fun, all right. Yeah, whoever this Ukrainian man is with a big wallet, mm. keep knocking on the door, all yeah, right. We will keep doing that. All right, Joseph Markov. The EVP of Dizone. It's been a pleasure, sir. Appreciate Enjoy it. Canelo Jacobs. Thank you very much. Thanks for your support. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Daniel Roman, the pride of Los Angeles, quite possibly, Danny, the best 122 pound fighter in the world. Am I right or wrong here? I mean, I'll leave the best uh, for you guys to decide who's the best. Well, I'm, I'm just here to fight. <laughs> I'll tell you this you have a name that people respected, but I don't know if everybody. Knew you were the goods. You just keep fight after fight, grinding, getting it done. You got a nice platform here on the zone to get attention. How has this journey been for you over the last four or five fights? I mean, uh, it's been pretty good, especially with the zone. I'm getting uh, a lot of exposure than what I was getting before. So um, this past uh, fights after winning the world title, I mean, um, I'm trying to improve. I'm trying to become even better than what I am. So it's been it's been good. We are obviously not far removed from a, a real breakout fight for you at the Foreman Inglewood Unification, right? Yes. DJ Doheny? Is Doheny. That Doheny. This was a war, man. This was a fun-ass fight. You got to give TJ credit because yes. he tried to get up in that ass. He was there the whole time. <laughs> you were too skilled. Tell me about being in the middle of a fight like that. I mean, uh, TJ, I got a lot of respect for TJ as a fighter, as a person. I mean, you know, he knew he even had respect for me, but like coming that day, he knew we got to put, we got to put that aside as a fighter and give our, our best performance and, and let the best win. And, you know, TJ, he's a, he's a tough fighter, man. I don't take nothing away from him. Uh, he came to fight. Uh, it was just my night. This is an interesting time for junior featherweight, super bandweight, whatever you want to call it, where there's no real one face at the moment. It's sort of wide open. Like, Rickendall's lingering, right? But, like, there's no there's no one man. It could be you. How do you feel about sort of this division turning over and where we're at right now? I mean, it's, it's, it's getting hot. We, we're getting hot. You know, um, we're trying to fight the best. Myself, I'm trying to fight the best. Uh, I'm, I'm, I want the rest of the titles. I want to make my legacy. I want to be the disputed champion. I'll tell you what, there's a great fight coming up in your division, a rematch. Isaac Dogbe, Emmanuel Navarrete. I'm sure you saw the first one. Yes. It was surprising because I got I got high on Dogbe. I'm like, this guy's the goods, man. He can talk. He can punch it. He just fought a tough-ass guy with long arms. How do you see that rematch playing out? I mean, uh, if uh, Dogbe is going to fight him the same way he fought the first time, I, I don't think he's he'll be able to take it. Uh, he got to do a few adjustments. Uh, Navarrete is a tough guy. He, I know he's a discipline. He trains hard. So he's going to be there the whole fight. So we'll, we'll see how it plays on this right. time. He impressed me a lot. You know, I hadn't, hadn't heard a lot out of him and then he was putting it on dog, but he had him hurt. He, he, yes. it was, it was a very brutal fight. So you've come a long way here, man. What's, when you're from a certain area, there's a stigma, right? Like Brown Hawkins was sitting in this chair before you. That guy's a Philly <laughs> fighter. We know what that means. You don't have to explain it. What's an LA fighter? What's that model? What's that mold? I mean, uh, <laughs> well, LA man is, is there's a lot of tough fighters, you know, and like uh, so far it, it's been hot. LA, uh, so coming out of it and showing everybody that who we are, what we got, you know, is is a big thing. Showing that even LA could do it too. So you're 28, so I have to imagine when you're coming up as a kid, you're a big boxing fan. 
in Southern California, it's the Morales Barrera era. And in those small yes. weight classes that you now dominate, who was your guy? I mean, you had Pacquiao, you had Morales, you had Barrera, you had some studs back then. Man, <laughs> I love them, man. Those guys, uh, I look up to them, especially Barrera. Uh, I took uh, after his uh, nickname, Bayface Assassin. You kind of look like the <laughs> man, you know? So, a little better looking, though. I mean, you know. <laughs> no, thank you. Uh, you know, so being uh, compared, like, to those guys, you know, is a big thing. Because they're legends, you know, and, and, and I'm, that's what I'm trying to do. You know, I'm trying to become the best at the division. All right. Where do you go from here? That's the important question because you're getting on everyone's radar now. They know it's going to be a fun fight. They know you could be the best in this division. What's next for you? I mean, uh, well, I got two belts now. I got uh, more mandatories. <laughs> oh, yeah. I got, a, I got a WASA for the IBF, and I got two mandatory fights for uh, the WEA. Uh, I mean... It was up to me. I want to fight the champions, you know, the rest of the champions. I want the rest of the belts. Uh, we'll see what happens there because they're fighting uh, this coming months. You want Rigo? That, that's a that's a spider's web to get into. I mean, I'll fight anybody that put me in front of. That's All what right. I'm here for, you know. Rigandau's finally going to be back. I think he just got a fight with Julio Ceja coming up on Fox. But uh, we're going to find out how great you can be. It's going to be fun watching it. Danny Roman, unified champion at 122. It's been a pleasure, sir. Best of luck to you. Thank great you. Chatting with you. All right, we have talked with legends today. We've also now going to talk with a guy who probably fashions himself to be a future legend, and that's 20-year-old Devin Haney, one of the rising stars in boxing. I mean, it's tough to say star early, but a guy that people have put their hands around and said, watch this man. He's going places. A lightweight. Just signed with the zone, brother. Congratulations. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. How hot and heated was the the people reaching out for your services? Oh, you know, um, it was crazy. You know, uh, I was getting it from all different angles, you know, but I just went what was what I felt was best for me. What do you what was the attraction to come to this side of the street and to zone with what the, what's going on? It's Canelo Jacobs week of, weekend. It's a new streaming service. Um, It just was a big opportunity for me. You know, uh, they 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 wanted to uh, uh, they were willing to to co-promote with me. You know, they they weren't just trying to, you know, buy me out. And, um, you know, they, they saw my vision and. Eventually, it's, yeah, I'm going to be fighting for a world title, so I'm happy about that. All right. You've been uh, a featured player over the past couple of years on Showbox. We've seen you with some big performances, 20-0, and 20, sorry, 21-0 and 0 with yes, 13 KOs. For anyone not woke to the Devin Haney experience here, what type of fighter are you? Um, I'm a fighter, you know, that, that, that can do it all. You know, I can box, I can bang, you know, uh, fast, I got good footwork. You know, I, I got a little bit of everything. Talk to me about the dream nickname. Where's this coming from? Uh, it just uh, was a name somebody gave me when I was younger, and I just ran with it. All right. When you're, we're seeing a few of these brash young guys. Teofimo Lopez, a guy kind of in your division, 21 years old-ish, making big noise. With Ryan Garcia sitting in this seat uh, just yesterday. How much pressure is on you guys? Uh, because in boxing, it, like it's less forgiving than other sports. You take one big loss, sometimes you're never the same. Yeah, um, it's no pressure. You know, everybody is 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 going their own ways. You know, and they, everybody has their own path. So you know, um, I'm 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 happy with with you know how those guys are doing. They're doing good. You know, it's uh it's it makes it competition. You know, and um, I want I want those guys to keep winning. 
So there's no rivalry. We're not trying. We're not trying to create drama where there is none. All right. I mean, of course, you know, it's 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 a rivalry. But you know, uh, I want them to keep doing good. You know, I don't have any bad blood with any of those. You got guys. no problems with Ryan Garcia's 2.6 million Instagram followers. You got no beef with that. No, no, I don't have no he beef. Can take with a that shirt off and sing because, all he wants. Because <laughs> because uh, if uh, I'm secure myself, you know, he could have. 10 million followers. That has nothing to do with Devin Haney. You know, uh, I did he, ask to see his DMs. He said, absolutely not. You don't want to see those. He goes, they're wild. All right. Yeah, all right. yeah, yeah I believe good. it. Yeah. All right. Uh, we've seen you outpoint guys. We've seen you finish guys here. Uh, well, how quickly are you going to be ready for, for a world title to really make that leap? Um, you know, uh, I feel like I'm ready now. You know, uh, it's, it's looking like, you know, after this fight, uh, I'll be fighting for the world title. Do you, you have a fight schedule? Yeah, I fight uh, May 25th on the USEC card. Who are you fighting? Uh, a guy named Antonio Moran. Okay. Okay. And this yeah. is in, uh, where's this card? Is DC. It, DC. Okay. It was, it was originally going to be a Chicago card yes, in DC. Yes, yes. Um, sort of an introduction, get to know you type thing, but we could be looking at a, a, a title around the corner. Yeah. No, for sure. For sure. For how do sure. you navigate that when you know you've got it? You know you got it, but you're like 20 years old. So like, how do you sort of make the, that decision making on how early is too early? Um, we'll just have to see. You know, we 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 never know until it, it actually happens. If if early is too early, so we just everyone just has to stay tuned and uh, see if it, if early is too early. All right, all right. Who who were you a big fan of on the way up? Who do you model your game after? Somebody? Did you take a little bit from your favorites? Oh yeah, of course. You know, uh, I love Roy Jones. I love Mayweather, um, Sugar Ray Leonard. You know, um, uh, uh, those guys I, I love. All right, we can't let you leave here, Devin Haney. Without getting your Canelo Jacobs pick, Eric. Because tell you what, I'm on the other side of the line. I like Jacobs by a come by one of those tight decisions where people are like, "Holy crap, what a great fight!" But the guy did enough. He's got a great story. Canelo can't get the nod every single time out, can he? Um, I think I think I just think Canelo's going to be too much. I don't see it being being that close. I see uh, Jacobs moving, you know, trying to box, but. Yeah, if it, if it goes to the decision, I don't think he would get the decision anyways. All right. All right. It was all a dream, he said. He used to read Word Up magazine. It's Devin Haney. <laughs> pleasure to meet you, yes, my sir. man. Thank Good you. luck to you Thank in the future. You. Thank you. Sitting here with the faces of the zone. No, not AJ and Canelo. The real faces of the zone. <laughs> I ah, like that. I like that. Barack. Who... Correct me if I'm wrong, guys. In pleasure. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Um, there's a lifestyle brand with the zone. It's doing something different. It's not Jim Lampley in a tuxedo. And you guys are the embodiment of that, if you will. Yeah, I mean, no disrespect to anybody in a suit, you know what I mean? Because we can <laughs> clean up nice as well. But, yes, more so uh, catering to, to a demo that, that, that you know, that's casual sometimes. Or, or you know, that you know the way they look. It's important. So yes, fashion, lifestyle, culture, music, it's a part of our brand indeed. And, and the zone just allows us to be ourselves. All right. All right. Are you getting recognized in the boxing world? Is it crossing over now? It's like, oh yeah, that's Hawk and Brock. Those are those, are the, what do you guys call yourself? The, the boxing, uh, the sweet science, sweet scientist. That's, yes, been, that's yes. been happening before the zone, but I'll let Barack elaborate. Nah, I mean, nobody recognizes me. I don't know. I, I, <laughs> I can still pick my nose in public and I'm still good. <laughs> Barack, the yes. boxing bully. Oh, okay. That's me. Talk, talk about that. What is that? What does that mean? Well, I, I, I'm going to guess you have fought. That this is real to you, David. Absolutely. Um, but I didn't fight in boxing. I fought in martial arts. Okay. Uh, okay. maybe, I don't know, 20 something years. Uh, fought in a lot of karate tournaments. I don't, I can't even count. But really it came from the streets. It came from growing up in a certain environment and being a bully on the street and taking that mentality to boxing where 
now I don't take your money anymore, but I take your box and opinion and I replace it with mine. Oh, wow. I love that. That's a catchphrase right there. All right. All right. Here's don't steal that. Here's what's different, though, guys. When I interview the fighters, and I've been doing it all week here at this table. Okay. And, again, you know, I'm silly. I'm, I'm just a dude. I'm just some washed 40 year old guy. guy. All right? Funny yeah, guy. funny. You know, I, I wanted to look at Ryan Garcia's DMs because you know what's going down in those DMs. He wouldn't show me. But you guys bring some cred, not just the New York street cred. But some toughness to the table. Do you get the respect back from the fighters? Oh, 100%. Oh, fighters. I mean, that, that's one of the things I think that the zone and, uh, and to piggyback on what you said before, you know, before the zone, we did host that on national radio on Sirius XM for years. You worked with 50 Cent. This is 50. So, yeah, it's, you know, they knew us out there in the boxing world, but obviously the zone is a global platform. So it was a blessing, uh, to come on board. But the toughness comes from, yeah, I fought amateur, ton of fights, the passion for the sport. But the fighters, the response we get from AJ, uh, you know, Canelo and everybody in between has been awesome. And I think that's what has, has stood out. You know, they, they open up a little bit more with us, um, yeah. I would say. When I right. see on the app an interview pop up, you know, like you guys with name them, you know, random world Ronaldo or right. MMA champion or right. whatever. I know there's going to be a special little twist you're going to put on, a little flavor, a little Akinbrock flavor. Where do you where do you guys come from? I'm, I'm guessing New York. But what's what's the home? What's the neighborhood? I appreciate that. Um, Brooklyn. From Brooklyn, Brooklyn, for, Brooklyn, Brooklyn for Barack. Yeah, you, you've yeah, ever oh, heard? we're both from Brooklyn. Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. Heard, you, but one of us stayed in Brooklyn. You know what I'm saying? Oh, real, real guy stayed. Wow. In I'm a Jersey guy now, but nobody uh, could ever tell no, me. Brought you I, to Jersey, I, a lady? I, uh, Jersey City. Oh. <laughs> but nobody can tell me I'm not from Brooklyn. Nobody. Okay. Including um, Barack. You're just not in Brooklyn. Even <laughs> in Baro- even in Brooklyn, the, the boxing capital here, there's different there's different areas. Ooh, Do you know Brooklyn? Uh, not like for real. All right. So if anybody knows Brooklyn, right? This man lives in Park Slope, Brooklyn, which is the most expensive oh, and nicest. And this uh, ain't Bushwick, right? No Come way. On. It's not Brownsville. It's okay. It is actually outside of Manhattan is the most expensive place to live in Brooklyn. <laughs> so. So I think Jersey City is tougher than Park Slope. Oh, wow. (laughs) Did you guys come up with any fighters? A lot of Brooklyn fighters, man. Yeah, Zab, Judah, you know, uh, a lot of everybody in Brooklyn, you know, right now, fighting on Saturday night. You know, Danny, Daniel Jacobs, good Good friend friend of ours. ours. We've seen him come up. You know, we've developed a great relationship with Canelo. So this is a a tough week for us. You know what I mean? As far as the I'm sure you heard the term real, recognize real. Right. Damn right. Well, yeah, yeah, you can meet somebody sometimes and and get their vibe. You know what I mean? And, And that's the vibe I think they get from us. You know, real, recognize real we're very relatable to them and you know sometimes maybe like one one fighter i had to tap out one time i'm not gonna mention his name you know what i'm saying but he grabbed me from behind try to get slick he likes to play a lot and i had to tap him out so you know that respect some of that respect is earned that's yeah, you chill you know? son that's sure. all right no, no i'm kidding I'm <laughs> all right so was it him uh, uh look you guys spent you guys you spend time with the fighters you get to chill with canelo canelo is a stone-faced he can get smiley but he doesn't not show with you us. so when i sit with him He's got the dark shades on. Right. He's got the tracksuit, but he refuses to speak English. But you know he understands it. What is he like off the camera? Because I, that's the one thing I haven't gotten from that guy. Yeah, he's smiley. He's nice. I shake his hand. Yeah. What's the dude really like? Well, the first thing is he likes our fashion sense. So right away, there's a guard that's taken down. Like, these dudes are cool. They got saws, drip. You know, but... um. I don't know, like he just said, real recognize real. I can't pinpoint and put my finger on exactly what it is. But with us, the humility's there, the jokes, the laughs. I don't, we don't get that stone cold Canelo. I can't tell you why, man, to be honest with you. Listen, one time Canelo needed a haircut, so I called his barber and we went to New York City. We went to Canelo's, um, 
hotel room, and we spent like an hour there just chilling with him. And to tell you the kind of guy this is, this guy is down to earth. He's wow. funny. All right. Very All funny. Right. He, he understands English, so obviously he speaks English when he wants to speak English. You know, he's just not comfortable probably the way he sounds or whatever. You know, it's tough speaking another language, you know. Right. But um, he's come a long way with his English for sure. But you're talking about somebody that's approachable, and, and yeah, yeah. he's just a really, really nice guy. If anybody has ever made me feel comfortable and has that superstar status, it's Canelo. Wow. Wow. And maybe, I like that. I like that. Maybe it's the fact that we're not like, you know, I guess a typical journalist, so right. to speak, or analyst. And maybe you can't he, trust real journalists. They're just looking to try <laughs> oh, to get ahead of Stop it. Stop right? it. Stop it. Yeah. So I don't know, but it's, it's, it's been a blessing. I was spending time with him. He's a great guy. And um, I'm looking forward to that. Can, I, can I just interject, though? Because no, you just it. said something yeah. and it, it made it rung a bell. Um, respect got to be given both ways because you said that we get the respect from the fighters, but we give them respect. And, mm-hmm. and one of the ways we give respect that maybe they haven't seen before, I'm not saying other journalists don't give it, but there's anytime you speak to us, it's off the record. You know what I'm saying? No matter what. You know what I'm saying? And you'll never see us promote something negative that might have happened in their right. life because we care so much about the story. Right. Right. We care about the human being if you, before if you, the story. You understand? And I think that's what they relate to. I think that's genuine. That is. And who, who's not attracted to that? Listen, we could write a book on the stories we know off the record <laughs> from all these fighters. Like, you wouldn't understand, but we've never, ever um, valued uh, something going viral yes. that much. Uh, what happens you know, if the gym course. stays in the gym? That's more of the, the lifestyle, the thought here. Absolutely. I like that. I like that absolutely. All right, guys, this may be uncomfortable for you, okay? Right. But on my podcast on CBS Sports, my co-host who's not here, Rafe Bartholomew okay, and I, I gotta go. have, <laughs> developed, I about to ask. have <laughs> developed, we, we, we've got on the front line of something. We've been noticing something. Okay. You guys watch a lot of boxing. Boxing announcing. Let's create a scenario. Okay. Fighter A knocks Fighter B on the ropes. He's with a big punch. Right. Fighter B is falling all over the ring but he didn't go down fighter a's thinking man i can finish this guy so he goes for it but he doesn't actually finish him and he runs out of stamina what would we say what would be a nice thing to say on the air would be like fighter a just ran out of gas right he punched Uh, himself out there it is he punched himself out that's respectful right Right, right, something has happened in the last year in boxing it somehow became we call it hashtag load watch 2019 it somehow became fashionable to be like what (laughs) wait what's that sergio maybe he uh he blew his wad early no what wait what is that and then it it all started with floyd mayweather after beating conor mcgregor he was talking to sal pal you may remember this here where are we get it get to get it together let him shoot his low and then down the stretch do what we do best when did you think that the fight was starting to turn when he shot his load and you could come at him when he started started shooting his low whoa whoa there's a lot of low being dropped there. It's guys, I know it's 2019, a but epidemic. since yeah. that's happened, since we pointed it out, now my listeners, my followers, the degenerates that listen to me, right. every day in my DMs, there's another thing from the NBA, from other sports. I don't know what the hell is going on right there. Paul Pierce. You know, I'm tired of getting the taste of it. I want the whole load. What? <laughs> Wait, what? Did he say Did he say he got a taste of it? He wants the whole load. James <laughs> Harden. When you hear the phrase yeah. load management, what do you think? What are, you, what are your thoughts on that? Load first? management is popping up in the I NBA. I ain't Nobody's Guys, load, bro. Uh, what are we doing here? Is it? Fa- I asked Paulie Malignaggi, right? And Paulie yeah. Malignaggi's a wild man. You know that guy, right? Yeah. He once said. Athletes sleep with a lot of women. It's 2013. That's what we do. Right? He said, don't be taking my side piece. Paulie's been over with a lot of women. He said he even wouldn't say on the air in 2019. I think he shot his load. What is happening here, guys? <laughs> well, <laughs> that was a lot to take in right there. You know, a lot of loads. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of dirty laundry. Wow. <laughs> you know, 
I've heard the term so many times, but we've never used it, actually. We've never used it. Thank but you. not consciously. I might have used it, but not in <laughs> not, this not, setting. Not, not with men setting. standing around. Not that many times. I, guys, I don't have, like, five instances. I got, like, 35 on the soundboard. Right, right. It's out of control. When does it end? Let's end it today, okay? Well, no you kind of started it. Yeah, you, you have you, some it nerve. Fun. It was fun you, you for a while. It, you man. built you the made momentum. it viral. Look, right, it was... Wait, wait, wait. We, we we set trends sometimes. So why don't we why don't we say today that R.I.P. to the shooting of the load? Yes, involving any sporting Listen, event. Shoot your Let's... load, not in the sport. There it is, right? Because some people like Keith Thurman. I'm pro boner. He's pro boner, right? It is oh, what it is, okay? Good. So am I, by the way. Just, just to say, you know. But in boxing, I'm not anti boner, right? but just but my own. In boxing, we gotta, we gotta try to chill out, all right? right. I, all right. Possibly shot his load. No, he didn't. That's the end of it. It never no, happened. It's over. It's over. It's over. Thank you, Ak and Barack. It's been my pleasure, guys. I know you're busy. Thank I know you, you got a lot to do for the zone. Right. Prediction? Can you give a prediction? People are like, "Well, I work on the broadcast. I can't give a prediction." Right. Talk to me about Canelo Jacobs to close here. My well, pre- I can give right. a prediction. I don't care about working on a broadcast, you know, because they're probably going to fire me anyway. Wow! But um, after after this podcast, yeah, for sure, yeah. Oh, hell yeah! I mean, this this is horrible. It's X-rated. But <laughs> but, but to be truthful, I truly believe it's a fifty-fifty fight. Yes. You know, I'm, and I'm not joking. Like, I love both fighters, but I, I love a lot of fighters. But I'll tell you who's going to win. But this one right here, this is tough. I mean, my prediction is uh, very generic and cliche. It's going to be a hell of a fight, man. I think what you're really saying is you're (laughs) saying, Brian, I'm going to think Jacobs could have won, but then Canelo's going to get the decision because that's boxing. I don't know. No, I, I, don't I know mean, because I don't of, because you said that's boxing. Okay, yeah, of course, everybody's thinking that way. You know what I'm saying? Everybody's thinking not. that way. Danny's got a story that I want to see come to completion. Not talking about load watch. I want to see come but, to completion. Guys. I want to see right? a decisive winner. Yes, I'm yes, sick of this just want. because that's you're the guy. You yes, get, you get the. I t- tell you this: this is going to be an epic fight. It's going to go down as one of the most legendary middleweight fights. Um, competing with the wow. Hearns and the Hagler. That's what I'm wow. predicting. By but the way, I know one thing. No one's going to shoot their load. Oh, you know what wow. I'm saying? That's Not anymore. Now that we put an end to it. Now that we put an end not you, around me. Listen, I, I everyone on the show, if you shoot your load, Barack the Boxing Bully will oh. show up at your house. All right? <laughs> yes, if you haven't heard of our segment, The Pull-Up, all right? Oh, we pull up well, on shows. Gross. We will pull up on you if we hear that again. Wow, that's a little gross, guys. All right. Um, <laughs> all right. By the way, you got Triple G on your network now, and he just turned heel. I'm sure you saw he's angry at the world. I can't wait for the exclusive when Ak right. and Barack get Triple G. Get him to speak English. Enough of this Russian, all right? Are you Russian or are you just in a hurry? Bad joke. All right. Ak <laughs> and Barack, my pleasure, guys. Thanks. Thank you. Best Thank of you. luck to you, guys. You're changing the game. There you have it, folks. Special thanks to all of our amazing guests. Special thanks to Golden Boy for putting this on. Radio Row, Podcast Row, T-Mobile, MGM Grand, Las Vegas. Really had a great time this week getting you fired up for Canelo Jacobs, of course. Streaming exclusively 9 p.m. Eastern on Saturday to Zone. $19.99 per month. If you're not already a subscriber, you can't beat that deal for sure. Really want to thank everybody who joined us. Thank you for putting in the time to hear our conversations this week, our previews, our plethora of podcasts. We enjoyed these old stories here with the legends, with the heavyweights. A little load watch coming at you. Brian Kenny, really an epic. 26 minutes. Brian Kenny brought it. That might be the best interview in state of combat history. I'm not even kidding. Brian Kenny brought the pain. BK, that is what I am talking about. Wow. B, B, your boy BC might be uh, might be out of it right here. Wow. Uh, hopefully Rafe will return. We'll have our uh, Canelo Jacobs 
recap podcast early this week from L.A., maybe in person. Maybe Rafe and I in person, in the flesh, when he gets back from the Philippines, if he is, uh, if he's still with it, if he's still with us. Be nice to see. Uh, that'll do it, though. Enjoy the fight. Follow us at State of Combat on Twitter. And i got two words for you, all right? You know? You know what it is? We out. <laughs>